from the heart of where innovation, money, and power collide. In Silicon Valley and beyond, this is Bloomberg Technology with Emily Chang. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, Google takes on a new tact to tackle privacy, launching a multi-year effort to overhaul its mobile ads more gradually and less abruptly than Apple. Plus, Facebook parent Meta drops out of the top 10 most valuable companies in the world after its monthly worst monthly stock drop ever. And what Mark Zuckerberg is doing to change course. There's a new sheriff in town. Meantime, the U.S. Justice Department has tapped a veteran prosecutor to lead a team that will crack down on crypto cybercrimes. All that coming up in a moment, but stocks tumbling as the U.S. ramped up warnings about a possible Russian attack on Ukraine. 85% of S&P companies falling, Bitcoin going down with them. Our Kriti Gupta here to walk us through the day. Kriti, this warning from President Biden really striking a nerve. Yeah, Emily, it is a risk-off day wherever you look. It's not just in the stock market. You're seeing it really cross-asset. But let's start, start in stocks. The S&P 500 dropping over 2%, a lot more pain concentrated in the NASDAQ with that tech-heavy weighting. But take a look at this. Even the 10-year yield lower, you're starting to see it down to about the eight basis points. And that's not normal. When you see this kind of uh, sell-off in the stock market, you tend to think it's inflation-driven. It would mean yields higher is spooking the stock market. But right now, it's very very clearly, as you said, that geopolitical risk, people pulling their market, their money out of the stock market, sticking it into bonds, that global safe haven stays that way. But hey, check this out. Bitcoin actually marginally positive on the day, a pretty muted move for a very volatile currency. We'll have to see how that functions as a risk gauge a bit this broader volatility. And speaking of volatility, let's take a look at what all this selling is simply doing to the VIX index. You can now see that this is a seven week average of that volatility gauge, of that fear gauge. Take a look at it. It's at its highest going all the way back to 2020. It tells you that's just how high the conviction selling is and how high the uncertainty is. We're comparing it back to that crash that we saw that really brought on or that was brought on by the onslaught of the pandemic. And a lot of that selling was concentrated in social media names, big tech names as well. But a lot of those social media names that kind of have that double whammy coming. Yes, you have that inflation idea spooking these names. Yes, you have this geopolitical risk, but you also have the idea of the of privacy and ad tracking and how Google and how Apple might actually curtail some of the revenues these social media names make. So you can see a pretty broad-based selling. Meta platforms is where I'm gonna end here. Down 4%, as you said in your intro, Emily, dropping out of the 10 largest companies in the world by market value. All right, Kriti, thanks much. Meantime, Google says it'll bring its privacy sandbox initiative to Android phones. This is a multi-year effort to build more private ad solutions, the company says, and an attempt to chart a more gentle path than its rival Apple, whose push to protect users' personal information has thrown the digital ad market into a tailspin. I want to bring in Adam Farugi, CEO of mobile and software company AppLovin, and our very own Nico Grant, who covers Google for us. Nico, I want to start with you. There seems to be a massive shift in how the biggest platforms are handling privacy around digital ads. What exactly is Google doing here? Google is hoping that it could find some middle ground or compromise between what it sees as the needs of app makers who are dependent on a massive uh, digital ad industry 
and consumers who are increasingly interested in having more privacy for their data, a call that's being backed up by regulators. And so under this new proposal, Google is going to prevent app makers from sharing consumer data with one another, um, tracking across multiple apps, something that happens now, and it's also going to prevent them from sharing this information with third parties. Adam, AppLovin makes software uh, that helps customers grow their mobile apps. How does what Google is doing here impact your customers and how does it compare to what Apple has done? Well, thanks for having me, first of all. And the, the Google change, really, we don't know how it's going to materialize over the next couple of years. But when it comes to our business, what's important to note and is that we have a little bit of a differentiated model. We, we have a gaming business that we've scaled over 200 million monthly active users of consumers playing our content, giving us data. And then we've got the advertising platform that's the very fast growing, bigger part of our business, much more profitable part of our business and why we exist that utilizes for the most part our own data to really deliver the value to advertisers. And it does certainly look like as regulators and EU first and then Apple and then now Google, um, the privacy world changes. It's gonna prioritize companies that have the first party content delivery to consumers. They trade content for data to be able to use that data for advertising and more relevant ads um, more uh, is going to be the way the world goes versus companies just hoarding third-party data to deliver the same efficiency. Hmm. So, Nika, does this actually mean that user data will be more protected as a result of what Google is doing, as a result of what Apple is doing? So, in terms of how the system worked for Android users, Right now, it is true that less of their information will be available to app makers, and Google will only hold topics they may be interested in for three weeks. And during that period, they will see ads that um, are relevant to them. But it's not that these users will not be tracked at all. It's just that there will be guardrails over who's tracking them, how, and what permission they give. Adam, what's been the impact of Apple's ad tracking policy on you, on the companies that you work with? I mean, we just saw Meta fall out of the top 10 of the world's most valuable companies, in part because of the significant dent that some of these Apple changes have put into Facebook ad revenue. Yeah, it, Apple obviously changed their platform middle of last year and it was quite disruptive because it was more abrupt than a couple year uh, in the making kind of change. And so the marketing platforms all have to adapt when these changes come. We've been able to execute really well in the past year. Our software business in, in uh, 2020 did $200 million of revenue. Last year did 670 million. And, and this year we're talking about over 1.4 billion. So it's a very fast growing software business. And we've been able to, to persevere through these changes again, because we focus on getting our own first party data and then monetizing the consumers with a more relevant advertisement. Um, one that is a mixture of behavioral off of the data that we have on our own apps. Uh, and, and then the context, the, what games they're playing enables us to know what types of things that they're going to be interested in to go download next. Nico, what is Google's roadmap for these changes? Obviously, we know they're going to happen over time, which is certainly different 
than what Apple has done. Yes, part of the reason why Google's process is going to be so gradual is because the company has a vested interest in making sure the digital ad ecosystem remains robust. And so essentially the company is going to be developing an alternative to something called an ad ID, which is a number that allows apps to track you. One user has one ad ID. And so for developers, they will have to find a workaround once Google speaks with them, hears their input, and finds out what that solution should look like. Right now, they're saying that a beta launch of Privacy Sandbox on Android could come as soon as the end of this year. And what they call scaled testing would be in 2023, meaning that they'll test among more users. They have not actually said when it will be fully implemented. And it should be noted, they've previously decided to scuttle uh, initiatives relating to uh, greater privacy on their platforms. Adam, AppLove and shares opened significantly down today, recovered some of that loss, but still ending the day down more than 6%. What's your outlook for the year, especially given some of these uncertainties and clearly the power that these platforms have? Yeah, we've got two parts to our business. And one side is gaming that, that really was built to give consumers content and in a trade for that free content, get data back to really power that software platform. And when we guided for, for the full year, we guided to 3.7 billion in revenue against 3.8 billion expected. But the two parts of the business are performing at different levels. We guided the software business up 300 million over consensus and the gaming business down 400 million um, beneath consensus. And really our business is a bit unique and nuanced. We've gotten to the point of so much scale on the gaming side that we're generating enough data to really power our own software in the ways we wanted to. And we've seen that flow out of our numbers where in 2020, in 2019, we did 200 million in revenue. And then next year we're talking about 2 billion. That's 10X over the last four to five years. And we've been able to do that because of the power of our own first party data. So we're confident with where we are in the marketplace. All right, Adam Farugi, CEO of AppLovin and Bloomberg's Nico Grant. Thank you both. Meantime, NVIDIA shares down on the back of a disappointing forecast. The company beat estimates in the latest quarter and projected strong results for the current period. Still, expectations are high for the world's most valuable U.S. chip maker. Earlier this month, NVIDIA walked away from a proposed $40 billion acquisition of ARM. Coming up, Nissan revving up EV efforts in the U.S. The Japanese car maker planning two new battery-powered vehicles. Our conversation with Nissan COO up next. This is Bloomberg. Another down day for Meta, closing down 4.1% to the lowest level since May 2020. This knocking the company out of the top 10 biggest companies by market cap. Our Kurt Wagner, who covers Facebook and Meta, joins us now with more. Kurt, why do we keep seeing shares sinking? 
Well, I mean, there hasn't really been uh, any good news since earnings, I think. You know, uh, when you think about the problems that came up during the earnings call, user growth being uh, probably one of the biggest ones, and then obviously the Apple uh, advertising uh, headwinds that they said that they're going to face. Um, you know, those are those are not necessarily things that just go away overnight. Now, there's been a lot of talk that that Meta might be undervalued at this point, um, but you know, they haven't really had anything since that earnings report that I would say has uh, turned the conversation in a more positive direction. Mark Zuckerberg did try to have a more positive conversation with staff, calling this all hands meeting, changing the company values. Move fast and break things is a value that has come back to haunt him. Now it's just right. move fast and you call your colleagues metamates? Explain how metamates. this helps. Metamates. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, th so this was a, a, an all hands. They do weekly Q&As. We've talked about those before, I think, Emily, uh, where Mark Zuckerberg goes up and answers questions. This is more of a production, right? This is a, a presentation of, as you pointed out, the values in this case, but like, you know, giving a sense of where the company is headed and what the mission is. Um, we have seen those uh, principles kind of evolve over time. And I think this is just a reflection of a company that is, uh, you know, maturing some, but also, to your point, learning that um, those things can come back to bite you. And I think as they set off on this new kind of vision for building a metaverse, they don't want to uh, uh, have any of those similar issues that they felt with the Facebook app um, come back to bite them then. So I think they're just trying to get ahead of some of that with, with the, the formal jargony language there for the company. Do you see a sea change in you know, the hierarchy of the biggest companies in the world, Facebook has been up there for so long. And I realize this is just sort of symbolic, whether you're top 10 or 11. But, you know, what does that do for employee recruiting? What does that do for morale? I don't think it helps, right? I mean, these are uh, employees who have been treated to a, a pretty good run of success at Meta, right? Despite all of the issues they've felt with or they've dealt with, excuse me, over the years, they've never really had a um, major crisis like this from a business standpoint. And so uh, I would say it goes all the way back to probably the you know shift to mobile that they like to talk about almost a decade ago when, when we were really asking these types of questions. And a lot of the employees that are there today weren't there in 2012 when that was happening. So I do think that this is a, a, an issue um, I do think that it's the kind of thing that if you're debating between multiple jobs, um, you know, one that has a stock price that seems to be doing really well and one that doesn't when that's a big portion of your uh, pay might might be a factor here. So I don't think it, um, you know, can be overlooked. All right. Bloomberg's Kurt Wagner. Thank you, as always, for your coverage. Well, Nissan will build two battery electric vehicles for the U.S. market at a plant in Mississippi, marking the Japanese automaker's deepest push into North America to date into a growing field of consumer EVs. Nissan COO Ashwani Gupta spoke with Bloomberg Television after the announcement. Take a listen. For us, this is a real move, and it is demonstrating our one of the several investments we will do in the United States to have a natural shift towards electrification. Mississippi, the other big announcement is the battery packs will be assembled here. Talk to me, who are the cell suppliers? What is the health of the supply chain for batteries in this state? 
The key differentiator of an electric car, what we have experienced in last 10 years, is all about battery and the e-power train. And we want to vertically integrate this technology. And that's why we decided to localize the battery in the United States. However, today, it's too early to talk about the location and the timing of the cell localization. But in Canton plant, we are definitely going to give uh, do the battery pack assembly. Ashwani, remain here. I, I am curious about the timetable for the production of these vehicles. According to the release, 2025 is maybe when we can finally start to see these things roll off the assembly line. Why do you need that much time to ramp up production? Yeah, at first, as you can see, you know, I'm sitting in a great plant, Canton, in Mississippi, which is making a frontier, you know, with 14% market share and, and Ultima. So definitely when this plant needs to be transformed into the electrification plant, and this is not only going to be an electrification plant, this is going to be a plant which is having all advanced technologies right from battery electrification to autonomous driving features to connect it. So in addition to the preparation of the plant, we have to prepare the workforce, and that's where we are going to upscale the workforce in coming two years. With that workforce, why Mississippi and what economic incentives were you given to build there? You know, Nissan operates all over the world, and we believe that a strong collaboration with the government is one of the key success factors. And under the program Accelerate Mississippi, you know, we Canton have engaged ourselves to do the transformation and upscaling of our, of our workforce there. Now, question is why Mississippi? You know, this plant is having a great competitiveness when it comes to quality, cost, and our competitiveness of the workforce. That's why we selected this plant to start with. Once again, this is one of the several investments we are going to do in the United States. Well, Mr. Gupta, let's talk about the bigger picture. $18 billion by 2030, $500 million here in Canton, Mississippi. How are you going to pay for that? You know, first of all, $18 million, it's only for the next five years, out of which this is the first investment, about $500 million. Um, as we have already announced in Nissan Next, um, we are generating our own resources. And as we announced in our quarter three financial announcements, that we have enough net cash uh, to move forward with these investments. But once again, this $18 billion is not the additional investment. This is combination of additional investment, but most important, reallocation of resources from the ICE towards the electric. Ashwani Gupta there, CEO of Nissan with our own Ed Ludlow and Tadla Riggs. Meantime, federal regulators are investigating complaints about Teslas that suddenly break at high speeds. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says it's received 354 reports of so-called phantom breaking. No crashes or injuries have been reported. No comment from Tesla. Coming up, a surprising report from Walmart. Quarterly earnings were better than expected, even with rising inflation. We'll tell you why. Coming up next, this is Bloomberg.
A story we continue to watch. Amazon has settled a huge dispute on payment fees with Visa. The e-commerce giant was considering a ban on UK-issued Visa cards, but will now accept Visa cards across the global network. And Amazon will no longer charge an extra fee to customers in Singapore and Australia who use Visa cards on its site. Meantime, some surprises from Walmart today. The world's largest retailer posting better-than-expected quarterly profit and unveiling an upbeat sales forecast for the current fiscal year despite cost pressures and flagging consumer sentiment. Bloomberg's Brendan Case joins us now with more. Brendan, what does this tell us about inflation and consumer sentiment? The big message coming out of Walmart today is that U.S. consumers are hanging in there. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're coping with, with higher costs, and there's no doubt that comparable sales at Walmart stores this year are going to slow down compared to what they were during the pandemic. But that said, uh, the, you know, Walmart sees a pretty healthy consumer, and they're certainly not noticing any signs of consumers absolutely slashing their budgets. They are seeing some trading down to other goods. They they flagged pretty strong sales in apparel, which probably means that people are picking up, you know, some clothes along with their groceries at Walmart. But all in all, uh, you know, they've got a pretty upbeat view on consumers this year. Is Walmart worried about inflation and costs going up? It's clearly very worried in a couple ways. One is just in terms of its own costs. It, you know, one can only imagine the discussions that Walmart's having with its suppliers right now uh, about you know, keeping, keeping prices down, how much they're going to pay. Um, and they've also still have, they also still have you know, a supply chain issue, which is going to pressure their costs. And then in terms of their pricing, you know, they have passed through some price increases to customers. It's not as if they're completely holding prices steady. Um, what they need to do is strike a balance that draws people into the stores, you know, keeps the whole idea of everyday, everyday low prices high in consumers' minds, uh, but without denting their own profit margins too badly. We just saw Amazon raise the price of Prime, even as prices are rising across the board. How is Walmart doing versus Amazon? You know, the, the word Amazon didn't come up on the call, which is sort of funny because, you know, everything Walmart does, they, they're thinking about what Amazon is doing. There were, there were two interesting <laughs> developments in the call. And one is that Walmart talked about its advertising business and said it got about a $2.1 billion boost from it last year. This is digital advertising. Now, that's just a fraction of what Amazon uh, is, is making in digital advertising. But the fact that Walmart was talking about it at all kind of suggests that they're pretty confident in, in that business growing. Uh, you know, the other, the other item they talked about was Walmart Plus, which is their subscription offering, you know, sort of a response, however incomplete, to Amazon Prime. Um, and Doug McMillan, the CEO of Walmart, said that he wasn't ready to talk about how many subscribers they've got so far, but it did kind of hint that he might do that eventually. And so I think that they're probably looking to boost those numbers up a bit, um, you know, shore up that part of the business and, and get it expanding a little more. And we might, we might right. learn more about it later this year. Bloomberg's Brendan Case, thank you for that update. Coming up. 
going further, even further into space. That is the promise of a new SpaceX mission that'll send a crew of four farther than any other human spaceflight mission in 50 years. We'll talk about all that and more next with Jared Isaacman, who will be on board this mission. This is Bloomberg. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. I want to get a quick update on the markets with our Kriti Gupta, who's been following the stock slide today. Kriti, what are you digging into? Yeah, Emily, well, the stocks dropped 2.2% of the S&P 500, but the semiconductor space dropped over 3%, almost close to 4%. And I really want to say, in kind of the space of when we're talking about inflation and higher oil prices, well, somewhere else we're getting a lot of that read-through from is the chip space. Take a look at this. The stocks index relative to other parts of the tech universe. Uh, electric vehicles, for example, which are in the white, and then uh, the biotech index, which is in the blue. And you can see that it's actually been outperforming for, for a solid year. The idea that as investors see these supply chain issues, well, the way to get exposure to that, the way to hedge it almost, is to invest in the spots that are really in demand. And chips are one of those places. You can really see how that's fueling the SOX index relative to tech as a whole. I want to show you this is really the dynamic that you're seeing in the ETF space as well. When you're talking about fund flows, Check this out. A lot more green on the screen than red. This is, of course, the SOX index or the SOX ETF that tracks the SOX, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. And you can see, because of all those inflows, you can see how investors are really trying to get that exposure, even though you have days like today where a lot of that selling pressure is concentrated in technology. Nevertheless, semiconductors still kind of remain a little bit of a safe haven in the tech universe simply because of that demand that kind of remains unquenched. That is until today. This is where the selling pressure is really a good example because we talk about when fundamentals are going to start to matter. Last night or after the bell, Emily, NVIDIA and Applied Materials both reported earnings, both blowout earnings. But in today's session, both really taken up and swept up, I should say, in that tech selling. So the question here is if you start to see these semiconductor companies grow and do better, does the stock price reflect it? And that's really what we're going to be watching in the months ahead. All right, Kriti, thank you. Meantime, billionaire and private astronaut Jared Isaacman has purchased three more flights from Elon Musk's SpaceX. One of them will go farther than any space flight has in 50 years. The first flight, Polaris Dawn, is scheduled for this year, featuring the first private citizen spacewalk with a crew of four. It'll also test SpaceX's Starlink satellite communications technology in space. Jared Isaacman himself joining me now. Jared, always great to have you here. Do you personally plan to fly on all three of these flights? Well, I hope so. Um, but we got we to gotta start with the first one, which is Polaris Dawn. And we have uh, some pretty important objective, objectives we're looking to accomplish with that mission. And if it goes right, then, then we move on to the next one. When did these discussions about Polaris begin and how did they evolve to three total? Yeah, I mean, so really what you're talking about is a partnership here with SpaceX for essentially the first private space program, which is exactly what NASA was hoping for when they commissioned this whole commercial space industry, you know, some 10, 15 years ago. Uh, the conversations began, I'd say, uh, about about six to nine months ago, uh, just prior to the launch of Inspiration4, which was the first all civilian mission to orbit. And the idea was, what building blocks should we be looking towards to get from where we are today 
to a vehicle like Starship, which is going to be the vehicle that will take human beings back to the moon. And if we can get to the moon, we can get to Mars with it. And, and that's where the Polaris program came up with, where these tech demonstration building block missions that will take us deeper into space than we've gone before, test out new technology that will ultimately de-risk uh, Starship, which is like our generation's version of the Saturn V rocket, again, to take us to the moon and, and ideally to Mars. You are talking about de-risking going farther into space than ever before. And most of us regular Earthlings, to, that, to us, that sounds terrifying. How much additional risk is involved when you go out farther into space? And how do you manage that? I mean, certainly there, there are, you know, elevated levels of risk when you do things that haven't been done before or haven't been done in, in 50 or 60 years on a new vehicle. Um, but you're also talking about, you know, some of the most talented, you know, engineers of our time right now. I mean, you think about the team at SpaceX, who's also drawing on 50, 60 years of NASA experience. Um, you know, they're the ones who are landing rockets on ships in the ocean. They've done it nearly 100 times. No one else has done it once over the last seven years. Um, you know, they're real pioneers and they're bringing science fiction to reality. So this partnership with the Polaris program is bringing all those talented minds to bear. Uh, and that's how we're going to get comfortable being able to execute on these really ambitious objectives, but being able to do it in a, in a safe way. What's the timeline? When do you think you'll be flying on Starship? Is it two years, five years from now? Sooner? Late? Longer? <laughs> You know, it's it's hard to say. Uh, you know, Elon just gave his update last week uh, on the Starship program next to a fully stacked Starship and booster, which is huge. It's 450 feet off the ground uh, with the idea that it'll launch its first uncrewed orbital test flight this year, um, which is the same time we will launch our first crewed mission of uh, Polaris Dawn. My guess is we're going to make a lot of progress off that mission, which will inform our next mission in 2023. And ideally, by the time you get to 2024, uh, we're in a good place with, with Starship. But we're going to learn an awful lot with the Polaris program. SpaceX team is going to learn an awful lot with these uncrewed test flights of Starship. And, and ideally, they'll kind of converge at the right time in, uh, you know, over the next couple of years. How much are you talking to Elon personally as you're moving through these negotiations and plans and you know, building this future way out there? So, so Elon was definitely involved in the Polaris partnership. I mean, we we discussed the high level objectives that we thought would be important in order to, you know, ultimately arrive at the point that Starship is ready for crewed flight. So, for example, Polaris Dawn's mission objectives, Elon was instrumental in in crafting, which is we should go farther and deeper into space than we've gone before, and and learn from the Van Allen radiation belts that you're ultimately going to have to fly through to get to the moon and and, and to Mars. And use that to inform countermeasures. Like we'll, we'll be wearing, uh, you know, radiation uh, vests. We'll have a, a number of sensors and experiments. It's like we should do an EVA because if we're getting to the moon and Mars, we're going to need suits, and not suits for four or five people, but potentially thousands or tens of thousands of people. So there's a lot to learn in that protocol and suit development. And we got to communicate over the speed of light with Starlink. We need that type of connectivity because even with the fastest capabilities we have today, it's a 15 to 20 minute long transmission each way from Mars. So. That's what we came up with, you know, for this first mission. You know, imagine what we're going to learn from that to inform the second mission and then then flying Starship, uh, you know, at the conclusion of the program. You're also a, sh a shrewd businessman in your work as CEO and founder of Shift4 Payments. Give us an idea of how much this total program will cost and what's the cost of a ticket? 
Yeah. So, I mean, these are all developmental uh, tech missions. So the, 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 these aren't open for, you know, commercial sale at all. Uh, this is what, you know, Polaris program and SpaceX are doing in order to ultimately arrive at Starship, which at some point could be the 737 that opens up, uh, you know, commercial spaceflight potentially for everyone. You can have up to a hundred people fitting on a Starship. In fact, a Starship has more habitable volume in a single vehicle than the entirety of the International Space Station. So the idea is if we get this right, it certainly opens up space for, for everyone, which is a big part of the, the SpaceX vision. In terms of the cost, we, we, we never disclose that. This is a privately funded space program. Uh, but what I, I will say is that I think what private industry can accomplish, how we can allocate capital to make progress, um, is substantially better than than how the government can do it, where we can achieve great things quicker for the benefit of, of really all of humankind. And you're not just seeing it in, in the space industry, but obviously in other great private endeavors. All right, well, we'll be following you every step of the way. Jared Isaacman, Shift for Payment CEO and founder, thank you as always for joining us. Coming up, crypto scams. As cryptocurrencies and digital assets gain in popularity, so do illicit transactions. More on this and how the DOJ gets ready to crack down on crypto scams next. This is Bloomberg. Our crypto report now. The Justice Department just named a veteran cybersecurity prosecutor to lead a new team aiming to crack down on crypto cybercrimes, including those perpetrated by nation states like North Korea and Iran. The DOJ's National Cryptocurrency Enforcement Team will also work closely with the FBI's own brand new crypto team. Joining me now to talk about all this and more, Bloomberg Shanali Basik and Matt Robinson in New York. Matt, I want to start with you. What do we know about this new crypto cyber czar? Who is she? Uh, so, uh, An Young Choi has been with the, de uh, the Department of Justice for almost 10 years, spending the vast majority of the time uh, looking into cyber crimes, money laundering, dark web issues. So, no surprise that has she, she got this leadership role, which is kind of a point person among all the different agencies that the government has looking into crypto because crypto touches so many different aspects, so many different. Uh, you know, new laws uh, that we normally have. You know, you have an SEC point person for crypto. Uh, IRS has a point person for crypto. So it's kind of getting everyone on the same page, you know, in policing and, and looking at, um, you know, all the kinds of illicit activity that can happen with it. Does this mean we're getting closer to tangible crypto regulation? So this is going to be, I think, more on the enforcement side and getting more people on the same page in terms of, like, policing these issues. So I think as they go through that and, and sort of go through some of these enforcement cases, they look at the kinds of things, the kinds of regulations that can help them better comply with, you know, for instance, anti-money laundering rules, um, you know, know your customer, uh, you know, Bank Secrecy Act stuff. So, you know, as that sort of, um, you know, continues to grow, you get a bit more case law on, you know, the kinds of things the government is interested in. Shanali, how big and growing is the threat of crypto cybercrime? It's really interesting because as you saw, cryptocurrency adoption really increased so much last year, Emily. Chainalysis is showing you that illicit addresses took in about $14 billion 
over the course of last year with that number likely to grow as they get more information. The overwhelming amount of this, if you take a look at this chart, is in DeFi. A lot of rug pulls over here where investors, developers set up a project, take the money and run. And so what they're saying here is that investors have to be really careful about verification when they're getting into DeFi projects. But Chainalysis also does say that this is still a, a very much a product of the market growing so fast last year. How does the rise in illicit transactions compare to legitimate transactions? Yeah, it's interesting because it's proportions, right? So if you look at how much of it was illicit activity, it was less than 1%. There's another chart from Chainalysis here that shows you that it's actually 0.15% was the percentage of total volumes that you saw, and that was less than what you saw even a year before that, and less than you saw in 2019 by a large margin. But with that said, $14 billion in total volumes is almost doubling from a year before that, and they do warn that this massive increase in total volumes is something to be worried about as regular, regulators are really looking at that and starting to crack down on that number. Now, Matt, looking at this report, certain time zones, including Russian cities, are the places where they suspect the most or biggest criminal whales. How will crypto regulators crack down on folks abroad? Yeah, that's the big problem and has been with crypto. It's not like, um, you know, a bank account that you can get a court to get an asset freeze. It's just uh, this borderless digital currency um, you know, that kind of sloshes around to these unregistered, unregistered exchanges. So the U.S. is going to look at where, does, where do those uh, crypto exchanges touch the U.S. financial system because where, whatever bank is being used, they are going to be under the umbrella of uh, U.S. regulations. But again, you know, that's part of the reason why they have uh, this new point person to coordinate with all the different uh, federal agencies looking into this. All right. Fascinating. Matt Robinson, Shanali Basik, thank you both for continuing to follow this. Coming up, the red-hot housing market. We're going to talk about the bidding wars going on as rising mortgage rates are inching even closer to 4%. All that and more with Redfin CEO Glenn Kelman next. This is Bloomberg. A shareholder advisory firm is urging Apple investors to vote against CEO Tim Cook's $99 million pay package. According to Institutional Shareholder Services, half of Cook's award is time-based and doesn't depend on criteria like Apple's share price. Since 2011, Apple's total shareholder return is more than 1,000%. Meantime, mortgage rates in the U.S. are getting closer to 4%. The average for a 30-year loan, 3.92%, up from 3.69% just last week, and the highest since May 2019. This has unleashed massive bidding wars with homes selling at record speeds and buyers struggling to find homes for sale. I want to dig into all of this with Redfin CEO Glenn Kelman, who is fresh off his earnings call. So do you think these rising rates, Glenn, are going to impact demand? <laughs> they will, but not enough. 
we are so inventory constrained right now. 55% of homes in January sold in less than two weeks. That is an all-time record. I thought it was crazy last January when it was closer to 50%, but usually it's in the 40s. And that has been in this supply constrained market over the past five years. So it's just gone to a new level. Almost no one is putting a home on the market. A third of the properties that are selling are coming from builders because individual homeowners are just standing pat. But 4%, I mean, give us a sign, 4%, is there something about that psychological barrier that just makes it feel too high? I worry about it. Affordability has really come under pressure because you have the home price increase coupled with this mortgage rate increase. Effectively, consumers are paying 30% more for a home than they were a year ago. But you just have to remember that so many of them are moving from California to Ohio. And so the Ohio home is going to look cheap no matter how much interest rates go up. So relocation and second home purchases are still off the hook. I think the bigger issue isn't just mortgage rates, but the overall economy. People aren't just using their salary to buy a place anymore. They're using the stock market, their equity and tech companies or their investments to fund that down payment. And as the stock market gets really shaky, I think you may see some consumers step back. I, well, I'm, I'm wondering about first time buyers. Are first time buyers going to be permanently frozen out of this market? <laughs> permanently is a strong word. People find a home eventually. Right now, they've just been looking for so long that it seems that they're undeterred by this rate increase. They're just determined to get a house and they're tired of being outbid. And so I do know many first time home buyers are frustrated. Uh, they're having to wait longer. They're having to look further out. But because this is such a big, beautiful country and you can now zoom into your job, people are just going to find a home, not five minutes outside of the downtown area, or even 30, but an hour and a half. There's room enough for all of us. So eventually we're all going to get a home and the builders are coming to the rescue. There is so much supply coming from them soon. And that's exactly what this market needs. So I got to ask you about the stock price down almost 15% right now after hours. Why aren't these um, massive bidding wars and hot demand translating to investor interest in Redfin? Well, we were trading much higher a few years ago or a year ago because the housing market is even crazier than it is now. And so people are worried that rising rates are going to affect all real estate stocks. And so sometimes I feel like I'm this loaf of bread and it's just as tasty as it was before, even if the loaf is less expensive, it's still the same bread. That feels like a crazy analogy. I'm not well, a local so, head, but the company top, is delivering top. great service. It's taking market share. It's improving gross margins across almost all of its product lines. All we can do is make our customers insanely happy. And the stock price will eventually follow that, even though the whole sector is down right now. So talk to us about the recipe. I mean, how are you going to convince investors that argument? Same bread. I'm not even trying to convince investors about that argument. Of course, I care about, I want everyone who buys our stock to make money from it. I appreciate your support, but the people I'm really focused on are our customers. We want to run the company with great financial discipline. We want to grow revenues and drive profits and the stock price will take care of itself. But if you spend all your time in investor conferences trying to market to those folks, when what you should really be doing is selling houses and making customers happy and making money, 
you're going down the wrong path. So our plan is just to take share, to get operating leverage, to drive more profit to the bottom line, and to build a fantastic company. And maybe, maybe the deepest thing that I have to say about this, I know that you should never think on TV, but that's exactly what is happening now. <laughs> there is this idea of a sizzling hot or sexy company that most people have. And what Redfin is, is something different. We are just a good company. We are good to our customers. We are good to our employees. We run the company okay. with great financial discipline. And that goodness, eventually, I think, is something the market will reward. So let's talk about something different. I, I have to ask you a, meta, a metaverse question yeah. because we're now seeing people buying virtual real estate, spending money on virtual real estate. What do you make of this trend? Is that, is that a threat? I think it's a total crock. Like when my kids are online, I tell them it doesn't actually make you happy. Put the MacBook down and go outside and throw a ball with your friends. And I would tell every adult that too. If you are buying some virtual property, oh my God, go for a walk with your dog. So, so, what, so what do you have to say to Mark Zuckerberg then, who's pivoted his whole business on this vision of this future? I don't have to compete against TikTok, so I don't have to insist that the metaverse is the next coming of Jesus Christ. That's what I would say. But I mean, look, I don't even get to talk to Mark Zuckerberg because he's, you know, this legendary entrepreneur. Maybe you should listen to him instead of me, but it just doesn't add up to me. All right. Uh, where, you know, where do you think the demand is going to go? What's going to stay hot? What's going to cool down when you look at cities versus suburbs, especially as companies are calling people back to the office? I don't think that trend is reversing. I do believe that suburbs are the future. America is diversifying in the suburbs. People want that space and they don't seem willing to go back. Once you get a yard and a three-car garage, you're never going to move into a condo again. How is that impacting Redfin's work from home policies? Microsoft just gave employees a date. They're in your backyard. Oh, man, did they? What's the date? February 28th. Microsoft calling oh. folks back to the office for yeah. three days a week, I believe. Look, we need to do something to get people gathered around the water cooler, but we're gonna have to figure that out together with our employees. I'm not gonna issue some kind of mandate. I know that we're all going crazy from doing Zoom, but it's just hard to put the genie back in the bottle and tell people that you gotta clock in from nine to five and we're gonna be taking attendance. So maybe we'll get a taco truck and a coffee cart, and try to get people to party at Redfin's offices one or two days a week, but we mostly just need to put our nose to the grindstone, work our tail off, and take share. Okay. And that can happen anywhere. Glenn, we always love having you just gesticulating and all. Thank you for joining <laughs> yeah. us. Fresh off the call, Redfin CEO Glenn Kelman on Zoom. That does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Tomorrow, Amy Webb, Future Today Institute CEO, she'll talk about her new book, The Genesis Machine. You don't want to miss that and so much more. I'm Emily Chang. This is Bloomberg. Audio Jungle.
First, though, MPs have today urged the government to impose sanctions on Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich and the Arsenal shareholder Alicia Usmanov. The Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been accused of misleading Parliament by claiming that Abramovich is already facing sanctions. Our chief reporter Carve Solokol is here. Carve, should Chelsea fans be worried today? Um... I don't think they should be worried today. Look, let's deal with what happened. Uh, the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, announced sanctions uh, against five Russian banks and three Russian billionaires in response to Russia invading Ukraine again. Now, the three Russian billionaires uh, are three men who are close allies of the Russian President Vladimir Putin. And the five Russian banks are banks who have uh, close connections with the media in Russia, also the Russian military, and they're also banks that are used by Putin's inner circle. Now, these measures, the sanctions that Boris Johnson announced, were broadly welcomed by members of parliament this afternoon, but some of them wanted him to go further. Specifically, one MP, the Labour MP, Margaret Hodge, asked the Prime Minister why Roman Abramovich, the Chelsea owner, was not being sanctioned. According to uh, expert legal advice I've seen, there are serious flaws in the new sanctions regime. Yeah. It may not affect oligarchs close to Putin who do not hold an official position in a company or own less than 50% of shares. It's too narrow in defining the individuals yeah. it covers. Yeah. Unlike, unlike US legislation, it's limited in how we can sanction Russian government officials. Yeah. And the de definition of government of Russia excludes the legislative branch, like the Duma. Yeah, yeah. That means that kleptocrats who have stolen from the Russian people yeah. and support Putin would not be caught. Yeah. Yeah. Of Navalny's list of 35, only 13 would be caught. Yeah. Abramovich, Usmanov, yeah. Timchenko or Deripaska would escape. Yeah. Will the Prime Minister look again at the sanctions regime yeah. so that, in the words of the Foreign Secretary, nothing is off the table? Yeah. Uh, I, I thank her very much, and I, I think that uh, uh, I understand her concern, but I, I believe that she's in error in what she says because we can, all, we can certainly target uh, members of the, of the Duma Abramovich who is already uh, facing sanctions. And in the, the announcements that I've made today, uh, Gennady Chimchenko, uh, to whom she just referred, is specifically targeted. Uh, he's on the list. Uh, she's just mentioned him. He's on the list, uh, as is uh, uh, Boris Rottenberg and Igor Rottenberg. And, and we ca these are uh, people who are very close to the Putin uh, regime. Uh, but as I said to the House, they are just part of the first barrage. So, Boris Johnson there saying that Roman Abramovich is already facing sanctions. He said Margaret Hodge was in error. Is he in error? Uh, yes, uh, the Prime Minister did make a mistake there. You heard him clearly saying that Roman Abramovich 
has been sanctioned. That is not the case. Uh, and the first person who pointed out pointed that out to him was the Labour uh, MP Chris Bryant and Chris Bryant actually uh, was not very happy with the fact that the Prime Minister walked out of the chamber as soon as Chris Bryant stood up to make the point that Boris Johnson had made a mistake about Roman Abramovich. I hope the Prime Minister could just stay for a brief moment. Um, it relates to what he said about Roman Abramovich. I don't think that's a courtesy of the House when the Prime Minister leaves in that way. Go on, Chris. Go on. Um, the Prime Minister said that Roman Abramovich has been sanctioned. As I understand it, that is not true. I'd, I'm sure the Prime Minister was completely inadvertent uh, in, in giving a, a false indication. But it would be helpful if the Prime Minister were able to correct the record. I just wonder, Mr Speaker, whether you can either make sure that he does that or you can make sure that he writes to the House and, and puts a letter in the Library of the House just to correct the record. This, these are important moments of fact. Well, you heard Chris Bryant there asking the Prime Minister to correct the record. Uh, and just in the past few minutes, the Prime Minister's official spokesman has said that Boris Johnson did make a mistake. Uh, the Prime Minister misspoke and we are being told that the record will be corrected with parliamentary authorities. OK, lovely. All right, so Champions League final, supposed to be in Russia. Is that going to happen? Well, big question marks over whether the Champions League final on May the 28th will be in St Petersburg uh, as planned. The information we had late, uh, earlier uh, today was that UEFA were considering moving uh, the final in response to uh, Russia invading Ukraine again. Now, the culture secretary uh, made her feelings clear about this on social media. Uh, she said, I have serious concerns about the sporting events due to be held in Russia, such as the Champions League final, and will discuss with the relevant uh, governing bodies. We won't allow President Putin to exploit events on the world stage to legitimise his illegal invasion of uh, Ukraine. Now, earlier... Uh, today in the House of Commons, um, Boris Johnson was asked by the leader of the Liberal Democrats, Ed Davey, about the possibility of the Champions League final being moved uh, from uh, St Petersburg. And it was pretty clear that Boris Johnson does not want the Champions League final to be in Russia. Can I confirm what I think he implied in an answer to a previous question, that he will push for this year's Champions League final to be moved from St Petersburg? As I said earlier on, I think it's inconceivable that major international uh, football uh, tournaments uh, can take place uh, in, uh, in, uh, in Russia after, uh, as I say, the invasion of a sovereign country. Well, if the Champions League final is not going to be in St Petersburg, Obviously, uh, uh, football fans want to know where could it possibly be. There's been talk that it may be at Wembley Stadium. The only issue there is that weekend, the weekend of May the 28th, we've got the League Two playoff final and also the Championship playoff final. So it would be difficult for it to be moved to Wembley. Uh, other places it could be, for instance, it would have to be in a major city which can cope with 100,000 supporters coming for the weekend. So you would think places like Paris, Rome, 
Milan, Madrid, Barcelona, Munich or even somewhere in Portugal. We've seen uh, the last two seasons, for instance, UEFA has moved the final uh, to Lisbon and Porto. It looks like the final could be moving again for the third year in a row. It certainly does. Uh, Carve Sorokol, our chief reporter, thank you. It is the Riot Podcast. Welcome into the Monday, February 21st edition. Everybody have a good weekend. Good weekend. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we did. <laughs> I don't know. Did I, you know. Have a good I just thought somebody too? might expand on that. Yay. I know we talked about it a bit in the show. We want to uh, leave you hanging. <laughs> yeah. Nothing. Tired on a Monday. Yeah. But that's a pretty typical Monday. Yeah. No, I feel like we're more tired than we normally are. Which or at is, least yeah. we're more vocal about it. I feel like, uh, did anybody else think this? Isaiah, you and I are both, our voices both are a little off today. You think so? What? I heard it sounded a little scratchy. I thought maybe what it was What are you talking throat. about? My it voice is incredible sound... this morning. I, I, thought, uh, I thought... You're not supposed to notice. People were texting <laughs> in. They are like, wow, Isaiah, your voice sounds incredible yeah. today. What happened? Now, do you guys, do you ever think this, either of you and all the time you've been in radio, sometimes when you get sick, it makes your voice sound better? It does. Mm. It's actually why a lot of radio people smoke. Yeah, yeah. Right? So that's why. And sometimes, um, like, it can get too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking or being sick. As long right? as it's not Your crackling voice goes overboard. Out, but. You know? If it <laughs> just stays in, if it's crackling in and out, then it gets pretty bad. It's yeah. also really funny because like, it can play tricks on you because you could be super sick and in your mind think you sound just awful. Mm-hmm. You'll do a whole show, feel awful, think you sound terrible. You'll hear back it and you're like, wait a minute, I sounded just fine. Yeah, yeah. So, right. It sounded so good. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of good actually. Like, I don't sound sick at all and you feel like a baby because you were so dramatic about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, it happens. Happens. Yeah, today in the show, we talked about early on how Hudson may be considered a psychopath. Mm. That's true. Uh, I'll ad- uh, I'll admit it. I'm not going to change my coffee because it's it's in relation to how I drink my coffee. Yeah, not going to change my coffee consumption just to not be a psychopath. I'm trying to remember too because we had some sort of an article where it said if you were a psychopath, if. Uh-huh. And I can't remember what the if part was, but I thought you also did that too. Oh no! So now it's starting yeah. to add up a little bit. So the it's whole not just about been, you drinking the coffee. I've been trying to remember what it was. Now you silently, see. she's trying to been able to, like to remember this. So I'm not going to mention it like, to him. Oh but no! Here's another thing about him. Add up. We were texting actually earlier around the, around well, you. Well, if any of you guys, podcast listeners, like up, oh, I know it. Then tell me what it is. Now you, uh, it all is adding up. Why I'm so cold and emotionless mm-hmm. and treat you guys so terribly, and why you won't let your dog on the couch. That's right. It's all, it's all adds back. up together. <laughs> we That's another that. part of the show. Yeah, we talked about that. We also, at the end of the show, we talked about how uh, Call of Duty is, is doing something about cheaters, right? Yeah. And so I relate to this, not because I, I cheat in video games, but I am a well-known cheater in Euchre. You are? Card games. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Board games. You just can't oh, help it. I can't help myself. Yeah. Well-known, and I love it. I just eat it up. Card games. It's like open for cheating. <laughs> and I'm, play, I'm playing with my friends. I almost have to sometimes because it's just so funny. I've been caught a numerous amount yeah. of times. And every time, everybody just throws the cards down. Everybody's all <laughs> upset. And it's just, it's just the greatest. I'm surprised huh? they still play. Oh, they you. love it. Well, now they like know. To look. Obviously, they keep, yeah. they're like always like, the, jo- the ongoing joke is like, if Isaiah is the one like dealing 
you have to stare out of have the you ever time. won a game honestly yes of course of course of course <laughs> okay. now i've gotten to the point where it's like almost impossible for me to cheat so whenever I get away with it, it feels even more yeah. special. Yeah, at a certain point, if you're well enough known for cheating, then it's everybody else's fault for exactly. losing Playing to with you. And I'm a very yeah. open cheater. I've been caught numerous times cheating in card games, and I'm very open to it. Do you, but at do the same you, time, if I if I do if I can cheat, I will. Do you mm. think uh, like you play a lot of board games and card games? Mm-hmm. Do you think it's almost more fun? To cheat by winning or to win by cheating. Then. Oh, it's so much more. <laughs> Isn't it better because it's like you're, uh, you, you're really pulling one over on everybody. Psychopath yeah. Here it is. You not, it. not only did I beat you, I also cheated yeah. and got away. And you with didn't it. even notice. Uh-huh. You guys didn't even know. Yeah. See, yep. see, that's. Uh, I'll let you two be I'm over there. I'm glad we're on the same page. It'd be bad if we started. It'd be bad if we started playing it against each other. Make me partners. Oh no! Oh, we yeah, play against right. each other. We can you're be right. partners. That's what if we, we played. Do. Uh, you know, like some of those games where you choose the other person's answer. I mm. always. Uh, oh man! I'm a, I'm a big cheater at those. Just form an alliance. Oh look and at then all this stab coming in the out! Back. Oh my gosh! Look at it! <laughs> look at this coming out about Once you two. What a great intro so far. We talked about how we both love to cheat, and we're Hudson the psychopath. So. Uh, we also talked about at the very end how some of us on the show are more excited on the weekends when people actually cancel on us. Mm-hmm. Some of us, by that, we mean Nikki. That's me. And everybody else surveyed by the Idaho Wine Commission. That's not a psychopathic trait. No. Just to let you know, I'm in the clear. Well, you want people to cancel. You want, like, horrible atrocities happen to people, death in the family and stuff, so you don't have to hang out with them. You're making it worse. No one said that at all. I just want them to have something come up. (laughs) I just (laughs) like... we can't. It's it's always about two, and it's, like, something you really don't want to do. If you really don't want to do something, then it gets canceled. There's, like, not a better feeling. It does feel really great. Then when you're like, oh, my gosh, I was planning on having to do this. I've been dreading it all week. And now I'm like, wow, this is so great. All right, guys. I just don't know if there's anything good about us after this intro. Yeah. (laughs) No, we love when people cancel on us. Hudson's a psychopath, and we cheat. And Isaiah cheats at board games. I promise you, there might be something else in the podcast you'll enjoy. So make sure you text and say hi. Hopefully, you did have a great weekend. And whenever you're listening to this, you are having a wonderful day. Yeah, and uh, we'll. They don't want that for you, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could care less. (laughs) Get off the couch. (laughs) It is the riot, you guys. This is the Worst of the Riot podcast. You, you're going to have to watch out for me because I might be a psychopath. Uh-oh. I might. What's the sign I'm looking for? Uh, is well, it the hats? My behavior. My <laughs> <laughs> I have one uh, definite correlation between something I do and something that psychopaths are more likely to do. And so uh, that's sh- it could just be the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to watch out for the rest of my behavior. But this is according to a new survey of more than a thousand adults. It was conducted by the University of Innsbruck. I believe that's in Austria. Yeah. And so what they were doing was they asked these thousand people to rate d- uh, different kinds of foods on whether they liked them or not. And then after they had that profile on a person, uh, it sounds like they're making a dating, you know, like we base, <laughs> oh, we make all of your matches one. based off of food. If no. you both like, uh, but what they did was then they got people to take like personality tests yeah. to kind of analyze, you know, different aspects of their personality. And so one of the major correlations they found was people that liked bitter flavors, particularly Black coffee. Oh, that's you. Had a tendency to be more, uh, more likely to be psychopathic. Aww. And uh, sadistic. Oh 
no. Yeah. So. <laughs> so you want some creamer? Uh, you know what? I'm fine with it. Well, I'm fine no, with. Just we want to make sure that you are not. Uh, well, actually, it is bad too because you're doing this study and you're like, well, wait, what am I? Yeah, right. <laughs> you find out later. I didn't want to answer. Uh, so the, the like sadistic behavior means I enjoy inf- like everyday sadist behavior is you enjoy. Uh, inflicting small amounts of pain on people. I think they don't know what pain is then because black coffee is not that bad. Like, no. it's not good, but it's not that bad. Yeah, but it's not, I'm, I'm not, it's, the act of me drinking black coffee isn't uh, inflicting pain on me. Sure. It's the idea that uh, I just want to hurt though. people to hurt people. No, it's just because it's so bitter. Yeah, I guess so it you're, is. So you're fine with that. What uh, a weird study. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'm interested to find out maybe some of the other correlations they found that aren't denoted here, but maybe this is the strongest one. I think I'd be more worried if you were like, here, Isaiah, Nikki, every day you try to get us to have to- <laughs> just plain coffee Well, that would creamer. be pretty sadistic, wouldn't that it? That would be. That's more like what I would expect to hear. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. If you start to, if I seem that I'm acting, uh, you know, without care for your feelings or emotions. Yeah. It's probably because I'm drinking black coffee. No, I'm going to let you go so then I can get some sort of Netflix documentary out Oh, of yeah. <laughs> They say if it's not black coffee that uh, some other alarms to look for uh-huh. is if you report that you like radishes, celery. I don't think I've ever eaten radish, and I hate celery. You won't like radishes. And tonic water, uh, like club soda or tonic water. Oh, I like water. that. I like oh, that a lot. No. Yeah, you know, I'm always drinking my LaCroix, <laughs> so they and they're say provided for free. That if you are into stuff like that, you probably have antisocial traits. Oh, and 100%. They say that, you know, there's a link between what you taste and enjoy and your personality. Yeah! <laughs> you were one of the lucky few who missed the riot when they were live, yet here you are. I also like to live dangerously. This is the worst of the riot podcast. Well, if you're driving by your local family dollar and you're wondering, why are all the lights out? <laughs> why is it not open? Maybe you pull up and you're like, I need to grab some goods. No, that's how they save money. Uh, they yeah, just, there's right. no lights inside anymore. They cut back. You just put your flashlight on your phone, you have at it. Yeah. <laughs> Get your stuff and come on out. That doesn't sound uh, That doesn't sound so out of the ordinary for Family Dollar. Well, this actually, this is much worse. Mm-hmm. The reason these stores are closed. They have closed uh, exactly 404 Family dollar stores temporarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't said when they will reopen, but the reason that these stores are closed is because uh, there was a massive rodent infestation of the distribution stuff of their distribution center, oh. which which then affects products yeah. that went out to four hundred and four different family dollar stores. Now so- these stores are. Uh, in the South, Alabama, Arkansas, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, and Tennessee. But that doesn't mean I think you should raise an eyebrow no matter where you live. <laughs> well, I think the issue is, I think I was reading it over the weekend, is it was because I think at where they were doing the distribution stuff, it was also like some food that goes out to Family oh, yeah. Dollar. And so it's not like Family daughters or, uh, Dollar's like cleaning section is closed right. because of the road. Yeah, thing. It's, it's the more, entire store. It's more because they found it where, um, you know, food stuff goes well, out. They say that, uh, I didn't, I don't really understand this, mm-hmm. but they say, of course, the food from this distribution center could be contaminated, but also cosmetics, medical products, pet food, and other products could all be contaminated because the of the rodents. Uh, and listen to the numbers on this. So uh, the FDA, Food and Drug Administration, sent an inspector to the distribution center, which is in West Memphis, Arkansas, 
Uh, that was back in January uh, after somebody had reported that they had noticed a rodent issue. So they fumigated the place. Yeah. 1,100 oh dead rodents after the fumigation. Oh, that wasn't even all of them. <laughs> no, no. There was some that probably made an escape. and They mutated. Uh, in, and listen to this. Uh, a review of the company's internal records also indicated that they had collected more than 2,300 rodents between March 29th and September 25th. Uh, September 17th well, of last year. It was a large family yeah. of rodents. I mean, they just reproduce like like rats. I, you know? guess, I guess it's bad. They said that they're working hard to reopen all the stores. I didn't know that. I forgot that family dollar uh, is Dollar Tree. Yeah. So like, they're all owned by each other. So they haven't said anything about any of the Dollar Trees, though. So you might, I don't know. I mean, if the stores aren't closed... Then I guess, you know, if you're in a different area, technically you're fine, but it doesn't mean, shouldn't you be a little concerned? I don't know. Talk about the day to be, what is it with you, dumpster diving stuff? Yeah. Like, that's the day you go. Oh, yeah, 100%, right? (laughs) If you can. They're dumpstering the whole store. Well, if it's already in the dumpster, anyways, uh, there's already, or if you're comfortable going through the dumpster, anyways, there's already a chance it's been contaminated (laughs) by rodents. That's true. And wait, listen to this. Uh, once the stores reopen, mm-hmm. you can bring back the purchased pro- or the affected products that are being recalled, which is basically everything, and return it for a refund without a receipt. Wow. So that's a reason to dumpster dive. That's, you just go to one family dollar dumpster, <laughs> empty it out, and bring that entire dumpster to another family dollar. That's a fantastic idea. Store at room temperature. Now that they can do. The Riot Radio U. One of the big events that happened over the weekend was the NBA All-Star Game and all the other festivities with that. And Isaiah, did you either watch or are you going to pretend that you watched for the show? (laughs) I did watch the whole thing. You did? Yeah, it was actually really good. It was very entertaining, actually. Isn't he uh, so good at acting, folks? (laughs) I know, I'm incredible. I believe that he did actually watch it. I did. I did watch the whole thing. It was was one of the better All-Star Games I've seen for sure. I mean... The whole the whole game was pretty good. Steph Curry pretty much it was the Steph Curry show for three quarters, yeah. and then in the uh, fourth quarter it was just all LeBron, and it was it was a really really good one, especially in Cleveland. Obviously, Steph and and LeBron are both from like the Akron area. Yeah, is and that so, obvious? Yeah, it's pretty obvious. I mean, I mean it's obvious that LeBron is, but no, I've never heard anybody. Well, I didn't know Steph Curry. No, was. I've never. Heard yeah, so, I follow sports. I've never heard anybody mention that once. It says from he's from Akron. Yeah, yeah. He, So he he was he was born in Akron, was there for a couple of years, and then he ended up moving, I think, to Charlotte or something to the Carolinas. Yeah, well, his dad played for the Hornets yep. in Charlotte, so I do know that. Uh, how come nobody's ever? You know, lobbying him to come back to the Cavaliers. Nobody he to got, bring he a championship booed. to Cleveland. He got booed last night when they announced his name. So Aww. he's not a big, big. Nobody really likes Stephen Cleveland, obviously. For because well, no he, he beat the Cavs so many and times. Nobody, so. nobody liked LeBron for in Cleveland for a while. Hey, everybody, everybody likes LeBron in Cleveland, but they like to act like they don't like LeBron. Sure, I don't know. Based on what I saw, it was a you either love it or you don't like the All Star stuff. So I saw that uh, that Michael Jordan was there. He didn't play but michael jordan was there michael the jordan did you see that he made like a very small appearance because he was at the daytona 500 earlier in the day which is oh, obviously wow. in florida uh-huh. and then he flew up to the to the all-star game because it was the 75th anniversary and so they were like honoring the 75 best players and so there was a bunch of jokes online like michael jordan didn't even want to spend an entire day in cleveland <laughs> so he decided to hang out in florida for half the day to go see a, ra- a nascar race uh-huh. and, then, and that was it yeah and then come back up to cleveland and then leave it doesn't say much for cleveland or the 
NBA All Star no, game. No, not so He'd rather much. watch a NASCAR race. But uh, well, tell, tell us more about the game then. So I would so say, who won? so East team, or West? Team LeBron ended up winning, which was that- is, is, is it's it's technically the West, I guess, because it's not like a draft format. So the starters are all from the West, but uh, it's a draft format. But LeBron's never lost as like the team captain. Oh wow! He's five and zero, so they've they've won every time. Uh, Steph Curry was like he was three points away from setting the All Star game record for most points in a game. He had 16 threes, which obviously That's was the all-star game record. Uh, so he was incredible the entire game. It was pretty much the the entire time. It was just them giving the ball to Steph and him shooting from, like, half court and him just making <laughs> every single shot. Do you think the and other then, players are like, come on? Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny watching, too, because it's Can like the— Can we throw the ball, too? Yeah, it's like the best players in the world, but they were just using one player the entire Aww. game. Yeah. But, I mean, it was really, really entertaining. And then at the very end of the game, LeBron ended up hitting the game winner to— to win it in Cleveland, so it was pretty. It almost felt scripted how, how it ended up working out, and so mm. it was. It was pretty awesome. It was. It was a Maybe good game for was. sure. Yeah, you, that's what I'm starting wink, to think. <laughs> we know with sports, yes. sometimes it's especially with an All Star game, that's that right. doesn't actually it. matter. <laughs> Why do you think Michael Jordan just came up there for a tiny bit? <laughs> yeah, he came up for the fourth quarter. <laughs> he had to bring the money. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, so? Did you watch any of the All Star, the uh, dunk contest, or anything like that? I didn't no? watch the dunk contest, but it is widely regarded already. As the worst ever. Really? That's what I kept the saying. The worst wow. ever yeah. dunk contest. And they were slamming it because it was on Saturday night. Oh, they, they were, were slamming it? Oh. They were slamming it all night on, on Sunday night. Whenever anyone would like do a, make a dunk or anything, they'd be like, wow, I, would, I wish I would have saw that last night instead yeah. of what actually happened. So all the announcers were just trashing the uh, the dunk contest from, from Saturday night. So. Yeah, they need to do something about that. But you just can't have a, a thing without people complaining. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Even well, if it was good. I'm glad that you watched the All-Star game for us for the show. Of course, for yes. everyone. It was very, very exciting. So it was actually a good game. A good highlights from it. I feel like I missed out. Uh, well, you know, you can see it all today. Just get online. Yeah, I guess so. No, or I can watch an NBA game that really matters. You were just yeah. so glad because you didn't have there to pretend like you watched it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's right. Welcome to The Riot, where you listen to us and uh, that's it. It's pretty much a one-way street. The Riot. Radio U. Yeah. Yeah. Got to tell you, Nikki, and and everyone that uh, I I just sometimes I think I've seen it all when it comes to donuts. You you have sometimes <laughs> I think there's nothing else any donut maker could do that would really blow me away. Well, I think you have to go to the smaller places, yeah, because your mind would be blown what's going on. They they can, there's amazing things that are being done that I don't even know about. We we have no idea. We're just stuck going to like the name brand donut places, yeah, right. you know, the main franchise ones. Uh-huh. And I think we're missing out. Yeah, but these look good. But this has uh, I'm sure there's some small donut donutery somewhere. Donutier. Donutier. Yeah, <laughs> that has been doing this for a while. But Krispy Kreme is now picking up on it. Uh, they have a line of new Twix donuts that they are rolling out starting today. So is the long one, does it have a Twix bar in it? Yeah, that is the Caramel Cookie Crunch Bar Donut. It is filled with an entire Twix cookie bar. And then you have the the candy bar and the donut. Yeah, That's, it's a double whammy. That is. That looks good. That is. Uh, so it's a bar-shaped donut. Uh, it has to be bar-shaped because it has an entire Twix bar inside. What do they call the, it's like a. A long john. A long john donut. Yeah, it's uh, filled with chocolate cream and a full, and it's not just a Twix bar. It's a chocolate cream in there as well. Uh, it's dipped in chocolate icing drizzled with dulce de leche and chocolate icing and topped with even more. It's got a little uh, mound of Twix right in the center of it. Well, let me tell you, the 
Krispy Kreme official photos for it. Uh Looks amazing. It does, right? I know to temper some of that with, like, realistically, how will that look when you get it from Krispy Kreme? Right. They might forget the Twix bar in the middle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could be disappointed, but it does. That is an amazing idea right there. And that's that's not all either. They also have the new Caramel Cookie Crunch Original Filled Donut. That is a chocolate ice donut with salted caramel filling. So you've got that running throughout the inside of the ring donut. And then Mm -hmm. it's topped with Twix bar pieces and drizzled with Dolce de Leche. Do you see that, though? They've got the Twix bar only on like half of the donut. Why do they do that? Why do they do that? I just wonder. Artistic interpretation of it. I don't know. But what if you really like the Twix part and then you get to the other part that doesn't have the Twix Maybe they on assume top? you'll put the donut in your, like, all-in-one. Yeah. Actually, you know what? <laughs> with Krispy Kreme, even with these, that's not too far from the truth. So then you can also get a mini caramel cookie donut topped with Twix cookie bar pieces. So that's just one of their mini ones. If you just want to, uh, you know, be calorie conscious. Should we do this Friday or what do you want to do? Friday? Yeah. Well, I feel like that's we nice because have... then it ushers in the weekend of bad choices. I like I like that idea. Uh, we can add... I'm I mean, definitely this week, we've got to go. And Krispy Kreme is one of those places that actually does have the new stuff when they say they have it. Mm-hmm. So we can uh, we can work on that. But remember, we've got uh, Little Debbie ice cream that we finally have found. But I, we haven't found all of them. We have to talk to Isaiah because me and him found it online. Yeah. Uh, at which store he should go to. And I don't know if he actually uh, got the rest know, of I'll them. I'll throw him under the bus. We told, he, he said he was going to stop at the store. So either we'll see if he actually did. <laughs> Or if he just skipped it, it or... I don't think we can do it until we have all the flavors. Yes, I'm with you 100%. Okay, well, we'll plan for the end of this week. Just know that we're eating good, guys. Oh, yeah. We're ready. We're going to make some (laughs) great choices this week. Even though we just talked about earlier, like, let's stop. Yeah. (laughs) Let's let's not eat so much of this stuff. Well, that's for like one day. Yeah, that's for the show. And then we go back to eating the only... Uh, the only donut with a cookie crunch. So that's Krispy Kreme. Uh, they start today the uh, Twix collab that they're having. George Costanza would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> if they keep talking long enough, they're bound to say something that you agree with. The Riot with Hudson and Nikki on Radio U. You see this woman, uh, her name is Heather West. She's 42. She's from Texas. And she was uh, out snorkeling in, it looks like, the Keys in Florida, the Dry Tortugas. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't say when this all took place. It's, you know, the story came out over the weekend. It's implied that it was just recently, but I don't know. This story could be from any time. Uh, but either way. Are we, are we reading shark filler? Yeah, right. Like for news, you know, they just always have like filler stuff. Yeah. But no, I say it came out a few days ago. Uh, so she says that she was attacked by a six foot lemon shark while she was uh, while she was out snorkeling. Yeah. And uh, she lived to tell the tale. She says that what happened was the shark started biting her foot. She was trying to kick it and the kicking was not doing anything. So she decided to lean forward and punch the shark in the face. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and it worked. It worked. You should punch its nose or like the side where its gills things are. Yeah. And that's the only way it'll probably let go of you. Uh And they say like normally lemon sharks are not a threat. Yeah. So they're not quite sure because they can grow pretty big and they get close to swimmers and stuff and they they don't usually bug them. Six feet is actually smaller Mm -hmm. than uh, what you would expect for a lemon, you know, at least a full grown top size. Uh, lemon shark, but yeah, maybe I just wanted to be like, "Hey, 
come back here. Right. Just nipping at the ankles and bringing her back. Well, it does say that most of the uh, most of the shark attacks that happen, it's usually a shark uh, either mistaking the person mm-hmm. for something that it actually would eat, like a seal or a turtle or something like that. Which that that'd be nice. Oh, you look like a seal. Aww. I don't know if that's better than the body of a turtle. Yeah, I guess right. Either, <laughs> either one. Not great. I don't want to be any of that. But uh, it's either thinking that you're one of those or uh, that it's taking a bite to see. Uh, they call it an exploratory bite. Sure. So I guess it's seeing if you taste good, and then if it if you if it keeps going, then that means you must taste good to the shark, and if not. You, something must, uh, must about you must be off. Well, I think in some cases it just depends on the shark that's uh, deciding and exploring. Yeah. Because obviously with some bigger ones or more aggressive ones, that can be really bad. Yeah, right. So thankfully for her, she's okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, she's uh, she's all right. I mean, her foot is uh, pretty chopped up there from the mm-hmm. shark bite, but I mean, she'll she'll be fine. She'll recover. So she's going to be all right. I like that they keep... They keep uh, referring to like all the statistics about how often shark attacks shark attacks happen. Yeah, they keep calling them unprovoked shark attacks, where they're keeping that separate. I don't know what the numbers What's are for the provoked one? shark attacks, where somebody's out there taunting the shark, like, "Hey, nice fin," you know? Hey, let's see how sharp those teeth really are. Come sort on of over here. Lemon comments. Yeah, they start putting butter on their leg or something, you know. You're right. I don't know the provoked ones. Yeah. I don't want to know the hey, provoked ones. you can't ones. blame the shark for that. He was provoked. Sure. Well, thankfully, she's okay, and uh, the shark's fine, too. So yeah. they're both fine. Uh, I, the shark will recover as well. Worst of the Riot podcast. So I actually went out and did something uh, fun over the weekend. You did something? I left my house. <laughs> I left, I left my house, and uh, it was to go grocery shopping. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but it wasn't like, just any grocery shopping. I feel like you had an, uh, an adulting weekend. Yeah, but, you know, it was uh, it was a nice, some people, I don't know if some people, everybody would enjoy it, because it was uh, my wife and I, and we were just like, we'll take some back roads, we'll see some uh, some parts of the the state and the country that you can't see from the highway, mm-hmm. and uh, and we'll stop at Jungle Gyms too. Everybody has said it's like, and I've seen it on TV, but I've never been there. Yeah, uh, but they say it's just like a crazy grocery store. They call it uh, Jungle Gyms. What is it like an international market? So it has a big uh, section inside that's just all international grocery stuff. Uh, they also have like a big section for kind of gifts. Uh, it's crazy. There's actually a section for Jungle Jim himself. <laughs> He's got a podcast studio. Oh, he does? And nice. I, I guess it seems pretty new, and you can go if you want. And, I guess uh, I didn't think he was alive. You didn't think? <laughs> he seems like a guy that would have died a while ago. Well, like an honor On, on a safari or on something. Safari, yeah, right. absolutely. Uh, he records a podcast, and I guess you can go, and if you really want to, you can ask Jungle Jim questions. Oh, for the podcast? Yeah, like they have a microphone set up for if you're just standing there watching. You can talk to Jungle Jim while he records a podcast. Have I don't you been know. There, Isaiah? I've never been there before. You've never been? been? I've heard of it before, okay. yeah. So, uh, and like the whole thing is just massively themed to where there's all kinds of animatronics and mm-hmm. every every area of the store is decorated differently. So it's actually pretty cool. It feels like it's a Chuck E. Cheese and a grocery store. <laughs> it's a Chuck E. Cheese for adults. adults. A little and, bit. You and, know, and, it is really a, an adult <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese because like half of the store is beer and wine. And now so. it's like a Dave Ramsey uh, debt-free podcast place. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder I if they rent out the podcast place. I don't know. I don't know where you went. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did. Of course, I couldn't come back empty-handed. 
from Jungle Gyms. Now, I did not get any exotic meat, which I probably mm-hmm. would have loved to try because, because we would have had to cook it and stuff. Sure. And I don't want to just the jerky. That's not right. So what I did bring back, I found maple Kit Kats. Why does it look like it's giraffes? That's on what it? I was wondering is too. It Those are giraffes, yeah, giraffes right? for sure. Yeah, that's but weird. It's maple. Oh, that's a that's a turtle. A oh, turtle? I bet you money goes to something. You think? Yeah. They also have a little picture of one with penguins on. Because that's a polar bear. Ah, mm. oh, so maybe yeah. it's for some zoo or something. So I think it raises money for something. Ah, oh, see, I was wondering if if in because uh, I believe those are Japanese. Because I'm not eating a polar bear. No. If that's a polar They're bear. They're not polar there. bear flavored. Oh, you want to try them now? We're gonna try them later. Uh, why not try them now? Want you? We've got time, Here's right? Here's a mini one. Here's a mini maple Kit Kat. Thank you. Thank you for picking them Dang. up. Oh, and they got a flamingo on it, too. Hey. Look at that. Did you get an animal? I got a flamingo. I didn't get an animal. Oh. Didn't. No. Are you well, sure it's the right kind? There's penguins. I think so. <laughs> yeah, you get penguins or flamingos on them. Boy, talk about packaging got that does not match nothing. the... Uh, we'll try this one instead. Yeah, give me yeah. a different one. Here, take a flamingo. I mean the flamingo. The packaging doesn't match the maple flavor. No, no it not at all. Maybe in fact, in, you maybe think it's like tropical or something. It's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> super, super weird. What flavor? <gasps> oh my gosh, the smell! If it was, uh, if it Whoa. was the flamingo theming was accurate, what flavor would that be? Pink Strawberry. lemonade. Pink lemonade. Pink lemonade's good too. Oh, yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, that's actually pretty smart. So I don't oh, want to wow, be this mean. This is very maple smelling. I don't want to be mean, uh-huh. but I don't really like maple. Oh, yeah. I don't, I I don't, don't like don't. this at all. Either. I know. See, it was a compromise. I got Kit Kat that you like. And I, maple like, I got that something I like. that I like. Yeah. <laughs> like I know you like maple, uh-huh. but this is intense. Very, very intense smell, and they're very small. The tiny mm-hmm. Kit Kats. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Well, maple. Oh, I like this. You like it? It's uh, <laughs> mapley. It's okay. Yeah? It's okay. Better than I thought, This but... reminds me of home. <laughs> I maybe would rather have the flamingo flavor. Yeah. <laughs> the big lemonade. lemonade. No, it was mm. tough because that one, you know... Set this a, to the side. They had a couple Kit Kat uh, <laughs> bags. What were our options? I don't now know because I, I, I don't... Uh, see, that one stuck out because it had the maple leaf. Yeah. And so clearly... That was maple. Did Although, you even look? The Did giraffe. Look? The giraffe could throw you off, <laughs> but the other ones, I don't know what they were. Well, get on back. And there. I was pretty confident we hadn't had maple. No, before. we've never had maple before. Well, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, I'd say they're solid. Are they gonna tempt you in the break room? No, no. <laughs> but they're solid. If you like maple, you'd like these. They're, they're pretty good too. Yeah, I just feel like they should be Canadian Kit Kats. Well, they are. I mean, they have the Canadian flag. They have on the them. leaf on. Yeah. Them. Have, well, I guess. I'm sorry. The leaf yeah, isn't. It's the not Canadian. the flag on the Canadian flag. <laughs> I mean, There's a leaf on there. I know it's a vital part of the uh, packaging of Canada. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> they really embrace it. Well, that's cool. Thank you for bringing these back. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could have brought something that you would have liked more. They're, oh, well. They're All not right. as bad as I thought. It's Here's actually a really good maple flavor. Yeah. Uh, next time, if you go to Jungle Gyms, mm-hmm. you can pick out something that I won't Ooh. like. <laughs> Thanks for the honor of doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll head over there. If you missed out on the next riot moment when it originally aired, you don't know how lucky you are. You're listening to the Worst of the Riot podcast. Did anybody see the brawl that broke out at the Michigan-Wisconsin basketball game yesterday? I was expecting it to be either fans or players. Yeah. And then you're like, no, it was it was the dads of the team. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's the coaches who got involved in a fight. So uh, 
I this is what I want some clarity on. If anybody knows, or maybe Isaiah, you know, maybe you've seen more about it. Uh, so what happened? The the culmination is that Jawan Howard, the coach of the Michigan basketball team, wound up swiping at. Uh, I think he was swiping at the Wisconsin head coach Greg Gard. Yeah, they actually wound up hitting another guy, one of the Wisconsin assistants, uh, Joe Krabenhoff. Instead, his face got in the way. Uh, now, if you watch it in real time, it looks like a punch, but really it's kind of like an open-handed like Slap. smack on the top of the head. Uh, but do you know what it was that led up to this? Is it just like the end of the game, tempers were flaring? Like what is what is what is the what is a possible explanation? Well, what his this was what Juwan Howard's like excuse was for uh-huh. acting so idiotically. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> so when they were going through the the handshake line, he didn't even get into the line right away, which is like also like not very professional for yeah, a head coach to do as you see like right when the game ends, like the head coaches are already shaking hands. Always. I always thought that was always for yeah. yeah, and so he he didn't get in line at first and even the broadcasters right away were like, "Oh, Juwan Howard didn't isn't going over to shake hands." And then he went into line and then he said to the other coach he was upset because at the end of the game, the Wisconsin head coach had called some Timeouts that he felt were were unnecessary since Wisconsin had already kind of clinched the game. Yeah, and so he said to the coach, "Like I'll remember that." And then uh, apparently the Wisconsin coach, like he said, he gra- kind of grabbed him, like to keep on talking to him. And then he said he felt it was unprofessional that he grabbed him. Uh, so then he decided that that warranted him to punch someone in the face. I mean, oh, you can see it coming too, because like they're in each other's faces. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, it's uh, I, I don't know. Like, there's no excuse though, right? Definitely, if that's the situation, no. there's no uh, there's no reason for him to be getting violent about that. So uh, it is pretty ridiculous. What I do like, if you as you watch the footage, you like Nikki said, you can see it coming. Where he, the way Jawan Howard, you like he's making that face. He's, he's like snarling in and the stuff. eyes. You can yeah. see it in the eyes. He His seems nose more is all clenched intense up. and more like. Mean. Yes. <laughs> now, granted, you can't see the Wisconsin's coach's face as much and from the angle. You can't hear what they're saying. No, you have no idea. But uh, he definitely, you can tell it's coming. But what I like is after he hits the guy in the head, and then, you know, the players all kind of rush in, and it's a combo of some players are holding each other back, some players are trying to, like, you know, throw punches themselves. And then there's the guys, I always love this when you see a brawl breakout, there's the people that are in the mix. But they don't want to throw punches. They also don't want to hold people back, so they just want to show that they're there. They're so there's there. like this one tall guy on Michigan, and he's just kind of like, kind of pushing people on the back, just kind of gently remind, like, "Hey, I'm involved in this in some way. Don't say I'm not a part of the team or something." But but not enough to get in trouble. Yeah, right. yeah. It's uh, I don't know. It must be a weird dynamic too, because if you're a player on the team, there has to be at least some of the guys like on the Michigan team mm. that you see your coach throw a punch, and you're like. Oh no, you can't do that. And they they know and they want to hold him back, but at the same time, you really want to like go against your coach. Sure. Even in that moment. So I don't know. That would be a tough, a tough line to walk there. You can see some that are like, oh yeah. Here we yeah, go. Right. Now we're talking. Hey, coach is in on yeah. it. Hey, that means we're good to go. Right. Once he's gonna yell you at me after the game, that. he's gonna be like, What are you guys thinking? He's just coming in the locker room and yell at him. It's a total pass. You're allowed to. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anything the coach, uh, as long as you do less than the coach, yeah. you're oh, fine. Yeah. 
Well, at this point, Michigan and Wisconsin, the Big Ten Conference, they say they're aware of it, of the physical altercation, and they are going to be doing an investigation and just a uh, assessing the incident to see if anything needs to be done. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I was looking back. I guess Jawan Howard has had some success at Michigan, but this year not been good. So he's he's mad anyways. Yeah, Yeah. right. I think uh, it was a tough loss, and it's been a tough season for Michigan. Maybe they thought they'd be a little better, but I mean... Lots of teams go through that, and they don't mind up throwing punches. So, The worst podcast with the best listeners. This is the worst of the Riot Podcast. Cheating in video games. It is a problem, and it feels like it's actually just getting worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would think as maybe technology advances, it'll be more difficult and more difficult. But in a way, uh, I guess still, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And so people are still finding ways to circumvent the regular rules. Uh, But Call of Duty Warzone, uh, for the people at Activision that made the game, they are trying something new to try to combat cheaters. So this is in the damage shield section? Uh, Yeah, so the damage shield is the new, they call it uh, Ricochet Anti-Cheat Software. That uh, if they identify somebody cheating in the game, mm-hmm. they would make, let's say you're playing by the rules or you're yeah. playing against a cheater, you would get this ricochet anti-cheat software applied to you and it would make the cheater's bullets bounce right off of you. Nice. So you could walk right up to him like RoboCop or something yeah. and just blast him in the face uh, or whatever. I don't know. They probably have a, <laughs> if they're cheating, they probably have a similar situation. So I guess neither of you could ever die. I don't really know exactly how that how this works. I like how they say it, uh, bullets bounce right off you like uh, the, I'm rubber, you're glue. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cheating, when you, you are. <laughs> yeah, when you cheat, it just affects you. Yep. Uh, so that is, they say, now of course this is something that uh, that would be concerning because what if you're just playing and uh, they they think they've identified somebody cheating, but mm-hmm. they actually haven't. Mm. And so, you know what I mean? Where uh, you could be playing against somebody and all of a sudden they won't die yeah. because it thinks you're cheating even though you actually aren't. But they say, we will never interfere in gunfights between law-abiding community members. And I know they say that. I'm sure the chances the, are slim they get it wrong. We're all going to, but everybody's going to accuse them of that, no. though. Every time, you, every time you start dying, it's like, I definitely hit that guy. Come Listen, on. When you cheat, you cheat, and it, everybody knows. So Activision said it'll only activate it when the server detects a cheater mm-hmm. is tampering with the game in real time. Yeah. And that's uh, all- so it's not like if you did it leading up to it or whatever, it's right. happening now, then you might get that. And some People might say, if you've detected a cheater, why not just kick them out of the game? Mm-hmm. But they're trying to find ways to make it less fun for people to cheat. Uh, and so I guess that's by combating cheating with another way of cheating, if you think about it. Uh, they don't want you to think about no. that way. <laughs> uh, so that, that is the idea that they're going to work with, and we'll see if that works out. Of course, they say that, obviously... This is just one way where, especially if you're somebody who routinely cheats and has been caught multiple times, uh, you can be banned not just from Warzone, but Mm -hmm. from all Call of Duty titles and all Call of Duty titles going forward. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that they're saying that, you know, a lot of threats that they make if you are somebody who wants to cheat. And then uh, reading down a little further, I was looking at some other games that, uh, that have talked about, League of Legends and Apex Legends, have talked about making cheaters all just play against each other. Like, once you're identified as a cheater, you only play against other cheaters. And then you wouldn't know at so, first, but you're, yeah. you're always only playing cheaters. It is that to be like some kind of weird form of, I don't know what, where nobody can ever die. 
It's a curse. It's that, a blessing and a curse. I think that's very creative. So yeah. they just say that, you know, it's just another way to, uh, it's kind of like trolling. If you're cheating in a game, um, then, you know, you're going to get this. Yeah. Hudson sees the glass is half empty. But get this. He thinks a glass half empty is good. The Riot. Radio U. I've got all three of us here. I'll be interested to see our three different takes on this survey. Uh, it's conducted by one poll on behalf of the Idaho Wine Commission. Hey! I didn't know they had a wine commission in Idaho. And why are they bringing this study? Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> an interesting one. They found, so they, of course, surveyed 2,000 Americans, obviously, and uh, they're all over 21, Idaho-ians by the way. Idahoans or what? Uh, no, it's, uh, <laughs> you know what? I guess you could could wonder that. No, it's all Americans. Okay. And uh, you are if you're from Idaho. Yeah, yeah but that's I wasn't right. Sure. That counts. And uh, everybody they surveyed is over 21. Some of the things they found. One, three out of four people, 75% agree there's nothing better than having no plans for the weekend. Yes. That's Nikki says uh, she's one of the three and four. Isaiah, what do you think? I think this like survey stuff. is skewed. <laughs> do? I don't trust the results. I don't trust them. You think the numbers would be different if it was people under 21? No, I think the numbers would be different if the Idaho Wine Commission wasn't doing the survey because where are you most likely to drink wine? At your house? Uh, I would hmm. probably say so. So if it was the uh, Idaho Beer Commission? <laughs> then all of a sudden. <laughs> beer and wings. Different answers would be uh, here on the survey. So I don't trust it. Isaiah, he's uh, written the whole thing off. Uh. I, I don't know. I, I I think I prefer having plans for the weekend. having Because it's something to look forward to. Well, it's nice if you have maybe like one small thing. Uh-huh. But it's the worst when you have something every day on like your off days. Oh, yeah. yeah. So the, I, there is something not bad about at least a small plan. But part of the fun of an off day is that you can go have some fun. Nope. On a plan, at a nope. planned event. Negative. Uh, so let's see. <laughs> 71%. Actually, look forward to plans being canceled yes, so they can that's stay home. <laughs> He's like, yes. yes. Do you know why it's better? Because you look like you tried. You, you did. Know? Like you wanted to go do something, yeah. and it wasn't your doing. It got canceled. Someone so else that, canceled it. Do you ever just cancel plans, even though you have no reason to? I try just not to. Just because you want to. But boy, I'm excited when someone else does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because then you don't look bad at oh, all. Oh yeah. You're like, oh man, I wanted you so bad. We'll have to. Re- we'll have to reschedule. Mm-hmm. We'll have to find a time. It's so difficult. If you really we'll want to be Nikki's friend, there's nothing better you can do than cancel plans. So well, nothing will endear friend. you more. Someone canceled something for this Saturday. Uh-huh. I'm so excited. <laughs> He's like, yes, don't have to go. I mean, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Another time, perhaps. What, are you the opposite? I would say, well, it depends on what it is. You know, if it's a plan that I wanted to be a part of, uh-huh. then I'll be upset if it gets canceled. Yeah. And it depends going into the weekend what kind of vibe I've had. Like, if I'm feeling real tired and I just, like, it's, like, cold outside, I want to stay in, then I'll stay in. But at the same time, mainly when I get to the weekend, I'm looking for something exciting yeah. because my life during the week is just so bland. So See, I'm like, I need something to live for. I think... Uh, something to live for. Something to live for <laughs> on dramatic. the weekends. <laughs> I'm, I'm closer to Isaiah on this one because you guys know me. I'm a huge planner. Sure. I plan everything. So if a plan gets canceled, that throws me all off. Oh. But then again, there are definitely things where you see them coming up on this calendar or whatever, 
And you're like, man, I hope that gets canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Call off that wedding, please. Please. I don't want to go. Well, they're saying that, you know, on, uh, you know, weeknights or weekends, 53% like to just instead stay home and watch TV. Read a book is 32%. Go for a nice walk is 30 That's great when those are canceled, too. Yeah, right. And <laughs> for the weekend specifically, uh, going for a walk and a book, uh, that's the order for it. I like how they... Uh, 35% look forward to catching up on sleep mm-hmm. during the uh, during mm-hmm. the weekend. Sure. And I know we all plan on that, but I don't think we always do. Well, you know? the no. Wine Commission wants to help you yeah, fall right. asleep. Yes. <laughs> They'll put do, you right to bed. Yeah. I do agree with you, Isaiah. I wonder why they're in on this. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of an odd study for them to be doing. I, I feel think like. they've weighted the numbers a little bit. Their statement their on, the on this is instead of going out, enjoy downtime or entertain friends at home. I wonder, so that's what they say. I wonder, uh, you know, I, I hate to to dispute the good name of one poll as they conducted this. But I wonder if, uh, you know, when the Idaho Wine Commission, after they get the results of the findings and they're ready to put out the press release or whatever, if they, like, completely erase the questions that say that people wouldn't want to be home. Oh, you know? just to uh, make it. And this question shows that people would love to be out drinking beer and not and hate wine. Oh, we'll keep that one out. Keep that, you know? Like, <laughs> we'll leave that one out of the yeah. survey. Instead, they say the best night in with friends, se- they say 70% says a bottle of wine. Yeah, oh, of course. Oddly of course. enough. See, 70%. So uh, odd. It's not wow. 100% because they didn't want to seem suspicious. Right. Man. I don't know. You're right. Something feels off on yeah, this. Yeah, to wonder here. Hudson, Nikki, The Riot on Radio U. Did you know yesterday was National Comfy Day? Comfy Day? Yeah. Ooh. Were you comfy? Did you yeah. feel extra comfy? Did you celebrate appropriately? I celebrated enough because my birthday was on Saturday. Yeah. That I think yesterday, I don't even think I got dressed like ready. <laughs> hey, so that's think, comfy right there. I think I really just stayed in comfy wear nice. all day. <laughs> well, uh, in honor of National Comfy Day, uh, Love Sack, that is a furniture company, I guess. Have you not seen those? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. They do sofas and stuff now, like they're super expensive. Oh, yeah. I, see the, I think I see them at Costco, but then they also have like, they started off with the beanbag stuff, uh-huh. the big giant well, beanbags. Yeah, that makes more sense. That's what I think when I think Love Sack. Mm-hmm. Definitely sounds like a beanbag. So they conducted a poll uh, of 2,000 pet owners, and uh, what they found was 61% of people would prefer to share their couch or bed with their pet. Or their love sack is what they're saying. Or their love, yeah, right, of course. A little beanbag. Well, they, well, they uh, of course, later on, if you read on, they want to promote their their couches. Oh, and more? They, they're, now they're saying they're so durable. If you want a pet, if you have your pet climbing onto your furniture, uh-uh. we've got really durable furniture for you. But, you know, we don't need to give them that kind of commercial. <laughs> sure. Uh, 61% said they would prefer to share their couch or bed with their pet over their significant other. Oh, really? You'd rather cuddle with your dog then, than your girlfriend or boyfriend. Well, that's a good question. It depends on your dog, I think, too. Yeah. And also your girlfriend or boyfriend. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's a great Maybe point. I should say that first. Well, here's, uh, here's some of the reasons why. They say... Uh, 59% of people said it's because their animal doesn't get up to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And by animal, I mean pet, yeah. not their significant other. And uh, 53% said their pet doesn't snore. Mm-hmm. So that's a bonus mm-hmm. uh, if you're sleeping with, uh, you know, your pet. Uh, but you're, I don't know how your dogs are if you let them on the bed or anything. For oh, my yeah. dog, it's the getting up and then getting back, you know, getting coming up on the bed, spinning around. Doing whatever, getting, getting back under the bed, then coming back. You know, like she does not just stay in one place. 
when uh, when she's cuddling in the bed. So Aww. I can't uh, I can't vouch for that with my dog. Well, for mine, I although th- she is nice to cuddle, I have three, so it's awful. So they're it's not cuddling. But they need they a just, bed of their own. They do, <laughs> and I I've talked about it. Like I want really one of those like basketball player style beds. Yeah, where it, like takes the whole room uh-huh. up. Uh, but they're really expensive. So instead, my dogs can stay on the bed and kind of like cuddle until I want to go to sleep. Oh. And then they're supposed to go to their little doggy beds at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, on the floor but then i catch one or two of them during the night they always try to sneak up they do yeah they yeah. do see your dogs are big too that's how that's how my dog is like you can feel her hopping up on the bed they wake you up and yeah so that's not exactly for the best night of sleep not exactly the best right. but cinnamon so timid she looks at you she's like you see me <laughs> <laughs> she freezes don't notice me uh i'm not here <laughs> now do you uh do you allow your dogs on the furniture yeah you do? Oh, they can have free reign. Free reign, oh, huh? Yeah. We don't let my dog up on the couch or uh, like most of our our main furniture mm. is not necessarily real leather, but it's leather style. No, you got to change that. My what? the house is there for them to no. destroy and and get you know gross. She's gone everywhere else. She does not need the couch as well. <laughs> well, she needs a love sack. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's what the company's trying to sell you. Yeah, they say. Uh, well, half of people say they never allow their pet on their couch, but seventy seven percent would reconsider if they had. Older couches, mm-hmm. so that, you know, if they had a couch they didn't care about, but when it's a nice new piece of furniture, you don't want the pet getting up there and ruining it. So I I, I feel that. I, I think it's important to have some of your house that the dog doesn't uh Oh, don't dog say doesn't boundaries, get to rain don't. No, yes, you have to. No, thank you. I'm letting her up on the bed, yep, getting yep. her stink all up in the bed. You're I don't, a bad, don't need her on my couch, too. Bad dog owner. So, I mean, you know, sometimes, <laughs> too, I just need somewhere where I can put my arm around my wife without the dog in between. Mm-mm, don't want to hear it. <laughs> That's enough of that. For more Riot content, head to riot.radiou.com. Racetrack gas pump thought number 348. Because waiting for your tank to fill up is the perfect time to think about whatever gets you going. What if lunch was never invented? Like who decided three meals a day was a standard and why just one lunch I want two? Then I could do pizza for one, chicken for the other, or combining them would be easier. And definitely add some Texas Pete wing sauce. You're on to something, Dave. Introducing Racetrack's Buffalo Chicken Pizza made with Texas Pete wing sauce. Try it for a limited time at participating locations. Racetrack, whatever gets you going. Am I a genius? Welcome to Life is a Scam Podcast. I am your host, Shay underscore so fit. You can follow me on IG. Uh, don't follow me on Twitter because I'm a wild person on Twitter. Don't even look up for me. Don't even look Are up. you? Um, yeah, I'm a little different sometimes. Um, we got another episode coming to you live from the south side of Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. um, before we jump into it, I want to introduce our guest, our man, our man of the hour. Money man, Mitch. Say what's up to the people, Mitch. What's happening, y'all? How you doing? Thanks for having me on the podcast. Super excited. Uh, Money Mitch is a side name, but the real name is Mitchell Phelps. So hit me up on Instagram, Mm -hmm. Twitter, whatever. Yeah, Mitch is good. He's a cool dude. Um, We also got our regulars on the the episode with us. We got World Wide West, also known as Ghost of Chicago. Throwing up gang signs, he doesn't gangbang at all. Y'all don't believe it. And then at the far end, we got my boy Capable. Say what's up to the people, K. What's up, people? He's so cool. Um, 
right, so uh, we got another exciting episode coming to you guys today. Um, but before we jump into that, we're going to play a little game with our man, Money Mitch. Um, so today's topic is going to be about surrounding NFTs, you know, just trying to get rich. Because who don't want to get rich, right? We all want to get rich. Um, well, I want to get rich. I don't know about y'all. So, we're going to play a little game. We're going to talk about some finances real quick before we jump <clears> into <throat> the main topic. So, Mitch. Yes. If you can get one stock, any stock, right now, what would you get and why? Mm. Price don't matter. Price doesn't matter? Price doesn't matter. Sheesh. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, probably like Amazon. Amazon, yeah. yeah. Amazon stock, it's high. It's mm-hmm. like a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. I think so. Like last time I checked, it was like twenty-seven. It went to La- thirty-two. It jumped up to thirty-two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Am- yeah. Amazon just a madhouse. Like yeah. they've got like a business unit for just about every single yeah. business mm-hmm. you could ever see. Uh, they're continually growing, innovating, all that good stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, it's kind of pricey. But it is. Pricey. I would definitely go for that. Amazon is taking over the world. Um, if you had ten thousand dollars, yep, given to you right now. How would you invest that? I would go directly into some cryptocurrency. Crypto, mm-hmm. okay. Crypto, okay. yeah. Top okay. three. Top three. Uh, That's all. Right. That's all right. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the first first thing that I'll say up front is. Um, None of this, nothing I say is like official, official, official. Don't go by it. So don't go by anything. All of my savings. And the reason I say I would put my money into cryptocurrency, if somebody just gave me $10,000, the only reason is because I would be okay losing that money because somebody just gave it to me. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. But you said the top ones that I would go into. So we've got a couple different types. You got the more volatile ones, which mm-hmm. are the ones that will like shoot up and like make you tons of money real quick, mm-hmm. or the ones that will potentially just like stay pretty flat and stable. Those yeah. are like those stable coins. Yeah, I do a little mixture, so I probably go with like Ethereum. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's one of the coins. That's a popular one. It's yeah. a popular one, mm-hmm. um, and then also another kind of like stableish one would be your Bitcoin. Okay, um, yeah. so that's like a kind of a, a hold type of coin. Yeah, and then another one there would be uh, Solana. And so mm-hmm. this is kind of a, a newer project that's kind of on the up and up right now. Okay. And uh, I think they got a lot of a lot of legway. Okay. All right. Okay. That's what's yeah. up. That's what's up. Um, I don't have any of the ones you listed. Um, I am in deep in Dodge. I'm in so deep in Dodge, y'all. <laughs> you guys, you're supposed to buy the dip. Shay didn't buy the, well, you, We bought too many <laughs> no, dips and I, not the exactly, real dip. Exactly. I, I didn't buy the right dip. Uh-oh. And so I made money. So I made money on Dodge, right? And then I was like, I want to make more money. So I was like, got greedy. F it. Let's go in. I went in too hard. So now I'm just here. I'm a whole no, you gotta buy you gotta buy the dip. Whenever yeah. you see that opportunity, you have to take it. I'm in too deep, okay? So <laughs> the thing no, is listen, you never you, know where the you, dip is. You have is. to buy that when when it went to like point one two, yeah. you just gotta move the rest that of the coins it. in there, man. So like look. Right now, <laughs> I'm just in my praying phase. Amen. Where just go back to where it used to be. Let me get my money back. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Let me pull out so I can invest in other places. Cause I'm in deep yeah. in Dodge. Um, 
Uh, I meant a little bit on in, uh, in sh- is it Shib? Shibu? Shiba. Yeah. Shiba. Yeah. yeah. I need that to yeah. skyrocket. Again. I mean, I, I got in a little bit with that. Um, um, quick story. My mom gave me some funds. It was like, cause I, I, she know I trade and I invest and stuff. Uh, and I was talking to my sister about it. So she gave me some money. It was like, um, invest this for me. And like, she was like, I don't need the money back immediately, but just do what you got to do with it. And uh, so I put a little bit of it in Shib, uh, Shibu, Shib, whatever. Um, so yeah, I feel like that one is like, if it skyrockets, great. If it doesn't, it's like I didn't go in too deep. I just, okay. I just bought like a little something, something. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying something like if it if it skyrocket, great. If it don't, whatever. Um, those are my two. Those are my two cryptos. Uh, my brother-in-law, he loves um, Ethereum. Ethereum, you gotta go ETH. He he preached that. He says if anybody has money, go. He, he swears ETH is gonna get to where uh, Bitcoin is at one day. Ooh. So he was like, yeah, put your money there. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, all right, all right. Um, so. The main topic, like I said earlier, is NFTs. Um, everybody, yeah, let me not speak to everybody. Um, I'm going to speak for myself. I'm in a place where uh, I want to make money. Like I, I make a decent living, but I want to be in a place where I don't got to work. Where I just, you know, move some funds, make a few hundred thousand dollars, and I go back to bed. You know what I'm saying? Simple. That's my goal in life, just to just have my money make money for me. I'm with you, bro. So I can spend all my time with my wife. And my child, you, you know, because they're beautiful people. And I like spending time with them. So you gonna be hiring? Am I gonna be hiring? No, I'm trying to be that babysitter. Trying to be babysitter. Nah, <laughs> trying to hire Kay, me, man. I, I was looking for a nanny. Case, Case said he'll charge me. He, well, he said six figures. I gotta pay him I mean, six figures to take I care of my call child. Off to cut, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Um, but yeah, so like I was saying, we all want to be in a place where we have our money making money for us. Um, and NFTs is something that I've heard a lot of people talking about, um, but. I try, like I tried to look into it, but it, it it confused me more. I was just like, "What the what the heck is an NFT?" Um, so, let's start with the very basic. Let's start from ground one. Money man, Mitch, yes. tell us what the heck is an NFT? What the heck is an NFT? That's a a crazy question because a lot of people are like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I don't know what this means. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the basic core of it, it is called an NFT stands for a non fungible token. Okay. And all that means is that this is something, so if we look at things that are fungible, that would be anything like physical. Okay. Physical, fungible, that's kind of how I put it together. Non-fungible is something that's not physical. So right now we utilize like paper money, paper objects, um, a house even, that's fungible. Uh, But then when we look at stuff that's non-fungible, that would be anything that's like digital. Okay. And so looking at NFTs, those are like your digital PDFs, uh, JPEGs, stuff like that. Uh, that folks are utilizing. Okay, okay. Now, I hear what you're saying. How does that make people money, though? Like, continue yeah. tell us. Like, I, I don't get it. Yeah, so I didn't get it at first either. <laughs> That's the one thing. I, one thing I think I'll start off with is, like, I'll level set um, on, like, where I was at with my knowledge and where I'm at now. Like, when I first started, I, like, heard NFTs, and I was like, this is cool. Um, I heard people talking about it a little bit, and I was like, this sounds really dumb. Like, why, <laughs> why is there any value in any of this at all? Um, and then when I really started to get into it and understand, okay, what this could mean for the future, that's like what actually got me excited. Okay. And so right now when we look at uh, NFTs, we look at stuff like the the monkeys, little monkey NFTs. We look at, um, what is it? They got like astronaut NFTs, like all these other things, the apes even. And we're like, what the heck's going on with those? But the main thing with the NFTs and what makes them like so valuable is because they come with utility. And so essentially what utility means is that, okay, yeah, I'm buying this JPEG, but this JPEG unlocks a ton of different doors for me. 
And so specifically, if we're looking at, uh, we were talking about this a little bit too. If we look at some of the uh, the monkeys, so the board ape, like the board ape yacht club is what they call themselves. Okay. And those are like million dollar, multi thousand dollar uh, JPEGs that you're buying. Okay. But those things open up like specific yacht parties. So essentially, it's like a y'all familiar with like Soho House? Yes. Essentially, that like instead of buying your membership for Soho House, you buy this NFT, and that gives you access to all these cool parties, all these cool exclusive people. Exclusive content, stuff like that. Now, is that is that for a lifetime? Or yeah. as, lo- as long as you own the NFT? Great question. It is. So it's as long as you own it. So then if you sell it, now that person that picks it up, they get those benefits. So it's uh, it's crazy how it's working right now. And I think with more and more businesses are starting to think about it. Mm-hmm. We're seeing big brands like Gucci, uh, other brands that are starting to like actually get NFTs. And so think about like a, a brand like Gucci. One thing they could do is say, hey, if you buy this NFT, y'all hot in here, by the way? I'm hot. I'm hot. I'm hot. A little spicy. You know what? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going uh, I'm to I'm I'm cut the, not the arrow. I'm going to crack a window. How about that? Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, hey, it's funny. Funny. Um, I was I was about to text my wife, like, hey, can you get Mitch a towel? But she was, she was with the base. So I was just like, you know what? He's just going to have to sweat. But I'm glad you said something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I cut the heat off already. It's just, you know, we black people, we got warm blood, so we just, we just get hot. Um, I just be getting hot when I talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go, go ahead, continue. Go ahead, continue. Um, where was that? Oh, talking about some Gucci. of the brands. Yeah. So Gucci. Right. So what a Gucci could do is basically sell you this NFT West because we know you like big brands. You're a big baller. Go Chicago, all that good stuff. They could say, hey, go ahead and buy this, this Gucci NFT. With this NFT, we're going to gift you a Gucci watch. Gucci makes watches, right? Do they make some watches? Okay. We're going to gift you a Gucci watch every single year just for owning this NFT. That's it. And then, like, hey, when we have more exclusive drops that come out, you're going to be the first one in line to even be able to get that. Yeah, so it can go all the way from that to let's think about if we've got, uh, what's your favorite, like, local restaurant here? Uh, let's see. I like uh, I like Jaha Grill. Or Jaha Grill. Jaha Grill. Okay. Oh, the Jamaica spot. Yeah, I love that, that spot. That's good. Yeah, the yeah, jerk yeah. chicken. Yeah. The plantain. Sheesh, with the plantain. I hate they be stingy with the plantain. They so do. Like, like, they be giving you two so pieces. Like, they charge. <laughs> Jay, slight deviation. I'm sorry. We're gonna get back to this. We. I eat dodo all the time. Plantains. <laughs> dodo with a Nigerian uh, terminology term. here. Um, one a full plantain probably costs like a dollar. You can slice that into like. Ten dozen ten or something, yeah. Like, come on, you slice pieces. it up. Let's go. You go to Jai Grill, they charging four dollars for three plantains. Mm. Yeah, but it ain't four just Jai Grill, man. It's all the Jamaican joints. Yeah. You be like extra plantain, they give you three more they pieces. Give you <laughs> what? You give me half you a plantain. You gotta go home. Go buy your plantain. Right. <laughs> her, hey, babe, put the put the oil on the, on the stove. <laughs> wow, but continue, man. But uh, but imagine <laughs> this though. So if, if Jai Grill said, "Hey, we're coming out with the NFT," and when you own this NFT. Every single time you come order with us, you get some free plantains. You get a free order of plantains. Okay. And then so, say, Kay's got it. And then Kay ends up leaving Chicago. He's not going to be at, at Jaw Grill as often. Then he goes ahead and sells it to Wes. Wes, now you can have this NFT. Now you get free plantains every single time you roll up, roll up to uh, Jaw Grill. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's like sense. it's all about the utility. That's the, that's the main that's reason. The utility. Okay. So, so yeah. Go ahead. So quick question. So will they limit that then? So for for instance, will they have five Zillows out on the market as opposed to you know mm-hmm. saying like mm-hmm. it's oversaturated and the market is a hundred or six thousand, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's like, hey, let's only do a limited amount of these, right. um, and then like a limited amount in circulation. And so for them, like the benefit is like from a brand standpoint, it's like it helps us promote our brand a little bit. Also having the ownership on those things. So if we look at Ja Grill, when you pass it over, when you sell it to Wes, Ja Grill actually gets money off of that too. And so they're going to get money from that transaction because they were the originator on that. Got it. And that kind of, that kind of brings us back to just like the foundation of like why like NFTs and stuff even exist, why... Um, cryptocurrencies and things exist as well, but mainly with NFTs, it's like the foundation of ownership and like being able to truly know and record like who's owned um, these different assets. So you make an NFT for a song even. So a lot of people give this analogy of uh, like Drake back in the day. Um, so like one of Drake's first albums or whatever, the one of, that like blew up. So say he, he sold that as like an NFT and like you were like part owner in like one of the songs, right? As that song got more and more popular, the NFT would appreciate in value over time. Um, and then you can swap that ownership. But then since Drake owned that song that he gave to you with, through that NFT, he's going to constantly get kicked back from it. Every single time. It's every, like, every single time. So it's like a royalty almost? It's essentially a royalty, and it, like, cuts out the middleman, because right now, like, in the music industry, I think musicians and producers, uh, the actual creators of it, they only get, what, 20%? Super small percent, but this cuts out everybody to where they could get a larger percentage, potentially. Sounds like we need a life's a scam NFT. Right, so, (laughs) exactly, for real, for real, but I I guess this would be my next question. Um, So, for the everyday person, for me, for people who are listening, who um, who are into just making different investments, how do you profit from that exactly? Yes, so you profit just based off of the appreciation. And so, whenever we invest, just in general, like foundationally, say we right now invest in a stock. The only way we make money on that stock is if the price of that stock goes up, right? Because it's an appreciating asset. Same thing with an NFT. So if we buy an NFT for $5 today and it gets more popular and appreciates to $10, that's how we make money off of it. And so we've got that value that's holding there. And then if we sell it, we make that money instantly. But if you continue to hold it and continue to that asset or the NFT continues to appreciate, then you've got more and more value. Okay. I got a quick question. What's so up? With that, if it appreciates, can also lose value. If it appreciates? No, I'm saying. Oh. If it, can, if it has the ability, way, right. yeah. Correct. If it has the ability to way. appreciate, does it also have the ability to depreciate? depreciate. Yep, or go down. Yeah, you're exactly right. Okay. That's, that's the gamble. That's why it's an investment because it can go up, down, sideways, stay flat at all times. Um so, yeah, I think that's that's one of the main things. Like, when looking at this stuff, it's like you should really evaluate. Before even, like, going into, like, cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. too, it's like the things you should look at first are, hey, what's my goal here? Yeah. Like, yeah. why am I doing this? Two, looking at, like, what's, like, the actual, like, holding goal? Mm-hmm. So am I trying to get, like, a short-term gain? 
or am I trying to like hold this for the long term and see what that's going to look like? And then even looking at kind of the, the third thing I would really evaluate is, um, are you okay losing this money? Right. Because that's big, that's big for any investment. Like yeah. you gotta be okay with losing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Going literally to zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a little painful if I'm being honest. So, um, so sorry to interject there. So basically what I'm hearing is I think that like the utilities tied to that NFT has to be something that's like worth appreciating, right? Because let's say, all right, we come up with an NFT now, but our utilities don't make mean anything. Right. No one's going to buy it, right? right so we right, got to right. figure out a way to make that marketable where it's like you get so access you, to this part. You almost have to have, you have to have like a backing already. Like if we do, like let's say we create an NFT for life in this camp, right? Mm-hmm. And we had like, okay, we have quarterly events where you get mm-hmm. to come to this event for right. free. But if no one wants to come to our event anyway, right. then it's not worth it's having, not, you yeah. know, it's not worth purchasing mm-hmm. that NFT. So <laughs> if you have a little bit of like backing, you have people following you already, right. like like any celebrity can mm-hmm. say, can create an NFT and say, yeah. you get free, you get one free concert a year. And then mm-hmm. people will buy that just, be hope, just hoping you get that free concert. Well, uh, yeah. Okay. Like the, the concert who did that. One of the, the concert out in the West Coast. Coachella? They're doing that right now. Yeah, I think it's a Coachella or... I think it actually might be Coachella. Okay. But essentially, like, if you buy one of their NFTs, you get, like, free tickets for life. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah, what's that price, though? <laughs> so, like, you're talking about celebrities, but I, I think that's crazy because what I saw is, I think it was B. Simone. She was charging people to get on her close friends. So, people, legit, bro, on Instagram, pay this amount. You get put on my close friends, and you get access to whatever content I post on my close friend. Close friend. I mean, that sounds like an OnlyFans to me. I know. Crazy, right? <laughs> Crazy, but that's why you're saying any celebrity can figure out a way. Yeah. All right, this is the access you get to come to my house once a year or some get the tour, right? So that's crazy, right? Yeah. Hey, I mean, Bron, let me get access to his crib. I might want to see what no, he's it's talking scary. about, right? And that's the thing, right? So Jeez. if you're really a fan of somebody, you will buy their NFT. If, if, if Bron made an NFT, if it's reasonable. Said, right. Yeah, yeah. If, mm-hmm. if, if somebody I'm a fan of, right, it doesn't matter who I got. I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. If he was like, I got an NFT and uh, once a year I throw, a, I throw a Christmas party and you get to come to my Christmas party. If it's reasonable, <laughs> I'm going to purchase that. Yeah, I, I, I just want to hang out with LeBron. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I, I see it. Yeah. But okay. the thing is, like, some of those, like, a lot of these NFTs, mm-hmm. they don't actually even have that utility to them yet. Mm-hmm. Oh. Just off the strength of LeBron doing it, he sell it. Right. Just right, off right, that strength right. alone. He, don't, he doesn't even have to make the utilities yet. He's got to say, I got an NFT. Exactly. Wow. Straight off of, like, the exclusive nature, like, for me to sit here and be able to say, like, yo, like, I got the, the LBJ, yeah. you know, NFT, wow. and y'all don't have it. But, like, here's the thing. I, I don't know. I think that's the part I'm trying to understand now because if, let's say if somebody creates a, somebody can create an LBJ NFT, right? Yeah. All right, and that has value. But what if somebody else comes and creates another LBJ NFT and it's just a little different, like? Yeah. You're saying, like, the Right. Can you, can you track, who, but can like, you track who created it? Because, like, 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 okay, so, like, to your point, let's say, let's say somebody that's not LeBron James mm-hmm. creates a LBJ, LBJ. and <laughs> then um, we now, like, he's, he's selling it. Like, oh, yeah, it'd be good. It'd be belongs to LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Like, is there, are there regulations that kind of show that you have to know the exact origin and like you have to know the utilities or if there isn't any before before you purchase it how does that work exactly yeah so that's that's, that's like literally the, the the big question right now because everybody's like oh i can just screenshot one of these nfts and say like yo I, i'm a part of this ape club too right but the thing is like now with the blockchain 
like it's a full record that everybody can see. It's super open to see, okay, who is the original owner? Okay. Who owned it next? Who this was passed to and okay. everything. So it's okay. down the line. And so the foundation of like why any of this stuff even exists right now is from that like ownership piece and from that record. So we talk about um, like blockchain in general. And there's like a main difference between like centralization and decentralization mm -hmm. is what they call it. Mm -hmm. So like right now with centralization, um, like if we look at like Facebook, right? They own all of our data. Like we log into Facebook every yeah. single time we get on there. And if they want to wipe all of our stuff out, they can do it. If they want to use our data to do something else, like legally off those documents that we signed and stuff, they probably can't. But like they could do it if they wanted to. I accept. <laughs> I accept. What I didn't read. Every single time, right? <laughs> but now with uh, like the blockchain, with NFTs, with crypto, it's like we've got these wallets that we can own. And we like own that actual cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And it's like bid to us. So now when we log into different websites, we don't actually need to log in with our email and password. We connect our digital wallet to that, and that's like our entrance. It's yeah. like legit, like our digital passport, essentially, that we log in with. So um, I say that to say, and it didn't even go like far enough, but with the blockchain, there's like full record of everything. Um, it's open and transparent across the entire blockchain, across the entire world, who owns what, who's the originator of what. Um, and everything can be validated and, and verified. Okay. So let me ask you this then. My bad. Yeah, you did. No, yeah, go ahead. Let me ask you this. So mm -hmm. with that, and, and we've seen like in the 21st century and things like hacking and scammers have gone to a new level, right? So mm -hmm. you're saying there's a open database where you're able to see that Kay owned it, Mitch owned it, Shay owned it, Akin owned it, right? What stops a professional hacker or a really good hacker from adding his name to that list or manipulating it in some type of way yeah so this goes like that's a great question it goes like deeper into how these blockchains work mm -hmm. but essentially um let me try to put it in a in a form so think about this like so say we've got like some legos right mm -hmm. and so we've got like a row of legos they're all the same color and everything we got red legos five of them right here say that you hold an nft and this layer is saying, okay, this is the NFT that Wes holds. Mm -hmm. Say that you sell that NFT to me, then there's going to be another record that's built on top of that. So then we're going to have blue, uh, we're going to have some blue Legos on top of that. Mm -hmm. And that's going to say, essentially, that you Transfer just transferred this NFT to me. Right. And so that's the record. So it's like layer on layer on layer. And those blocks are different verifiers. So every single time you do something, it has to be verified by a whole bunch of different people or a whole bunch of different computers. Mm. And that's like what's keeping that record true. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, okay. So I have a, <clears throat> my next question for you would be this. Um, Racetrack gas pump thought number 348. Because waiting for your tank to fill up is the perfect time to think about whatever gets you going. What if lunch was never invented? Like who decided three meals a day was a standard and why just one lunch I want two? Then I could do pizza for one, chicken for the other, or combining them would be easier. And definitely add some Texas Pete wing sauce. You're on to something, Dave. Introducing Racetrack's Buffalo Chicken Pizza made with Texas Pete wing sauce. Try it for a limited time at participating locations. Racetrack, whatever gets you going. Am I a genius? How does somebody get 
into NFTs if they want to purchase them. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are like um, some popular NFTs? Like, can you give us a little bit of background on these NFTs? Um, and uh, like, if if I want if I wanted to purchase an NFT tomorrow, mm-hmm. I don't know how. You know, so I kind of give yeah. us a little bit of background on that. Yeah, totally. So there's a there's a few ways, and that's kind of like low key a loaded question. Oh, like yeah. how to buy an NFT, what <laughs> NFT to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few different ways to do it. Okay. Um, and I would say the most simple way to do it is there's a platform called OpenSea. And on this platform, they've got a ton of different uh, NFTs. It's essentially like an eBay okay. for the NFTs. And so you get on there, you can see like different types of NFTs, different types of JPEGs. Um, and then like once you click into one, you can see who's like the owner of it, who's the originator, like what type of project this is. And then go look them up on the web to see, okay, does this NFT come with utility? Um, what's this project for? Why did they build it? All that good stuff. And then kind of pick and choose from there. And so you can see like, oh, this will be, um, this will give me great utility or this p- could potentially be like a cool, like appreciating asset. Okay. Um, so that's like the first place to start, I would say, is just like go on there to like do some research for some NFTs just to see, okay, like what does this actually look like? Um, and then also there's a place called rarables.com. And that will show you um, the whole landscape of NFTs. It'll show you the ones that are trading at the highest value right now. It'll show you, like, what's the hottest things out. Um, and that's, like, a good place to double check with. But you can't actually go directly on there and buy anything, okay. though, um, on the OpenSea specifically, unless you've got kind of a crypto wallet hooked up to it. And so right now there's, like, Everything is like not the most user friendly quite yet. Okay. Uh, it's still very early. It's still super early, yeah. um, but it's not too late. Right. But it's still super early. Yeah. Um, but essentially, like you, you create um, a wallet to where you would transfer. So, say you got like a Coinbase wallet or a MetaMask wallet. Um, those are just two different like wallet types to hold cryptocurrencies. And so you open up an account with that, then you transfer your USD. So your U.S. dollars into a cryptocurrency, like in Ethereum, that's like the main one with NFTs. And then you connect your wallet, you connect that to OpenSea, and then uh, you'd be able to actually purchase an NFT from there. Okay, nice, nice, nice. Um, it sounds like a lot. Um, <laughs> so it just, I mean, like, with most things in life, if you wanna if you want to make money doing anything, it's better to jump in early instead of jumping in late. But the risk is like you know, there's all these different hoops you have to jump through to actually purchase an NFT. Um, but I mean, do your research. Do your research, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and we all can tie this back to life is a scam. So literally, we just described a situation where someone with any type of notoriety. Did I say that right? Excuse me. Yeah. If I didn't. Um, yeah. Anyone, <laughs> anyone with a following um, can just create this NFT and literally just get rich off of it. And then not even tie anything to it yet. You can just say, oh, my name is LeBron James and buy my shit. And maybe one day you'll have this utility. And it's like, that is wild that fame can literally make you fortune. No, that's wild. That's wild. If you guys had the opportunity to be famous, to do something like that, would you guys take that opportunity? Because I don't want, I, I, I hate the idea of being famous. So if you guys had that opportunity, would you do it? I'll go first. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Absolute. 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 
I'm not. I'm not surprised by that answer. Right. Well, let, well. Okay. So let let me say elaborate. Why. Mm-hmm. Because uh, so I, I always have conversations with either Kay, um, Madonna's who's on the show, and a few other people, and um, I feel like things like this are are a prime way for like especially people of color, um, people that have any type of influence, people that have been marginalized for so long or taken advantage of or have had that middleman that you spoke to before to kind of cut that out and kind of get more to the bag. So I'm a big fan of it. Like any way that you can market yourself and benefit from that, then 100% all the time. Like obviously I wouldn't want it to be very invasive because I I am to, to an extent a private person, but at the end of the day, if it's opportunity within making money from, like you said, literally just off your stardom or your, you know what I'm saying, just off your name, of course. you. To me, you have to be, you wouldn't be a, a smart business person if you didn't, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, take that right. opportunity, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel that. Yeah, so uh, kind of tying to some of the things we said. Um, <laughs> we got a Ricky, we got a, we got shout a Ricky camera, camera guy. Shout out, shout out to the camera. Right out here. Shout out, shout out. But, uh, like, I think earlier when we just talked about, like, in the music industry, like, artists, right, they only get a certain percentage of their craft, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and other people are making money from it. Same thing with athletes, right? Like, oh, you signed for $30 million. One, you're not getting $30 million, mm-hmm. right? You're getting about half. Um, but also, you don't get it at once, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's why some of them go broke. Because yeah, it's like, too. all right, so I just, oh, I just yeah. got $50 million. But it's like no, kind of sort of not really. You're getting, right. you're getting game checks, yeah. right? So the, the house you just bought your mom, yeah. and all that stuff, right? So there's a lot to it. So right. if I had the opportunity to make more money, um, yes, I would. But then just like the person that I am, philanthropy work is what I want to do. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure some proceeds of that, absolutely. But some proceeds of that will go back to at least from my background. Like I come from a place where like people are still struggling. Right? I got whenever you're ready. Uh, I got I got you know some family ties that are probably still going through some hardships. So yeah. to have the ability to still impact some lives and give other people opportunity, absolutely, run yeah. it up, make more money, and then be able to pour into other people and make it count. That's yeah. so real. You, you touched on a super good point there too. Um, I was checking out this this podcast. The young lady um, out of Nigeria. And she's actually started like her um, like a foundation, and so essentially with that, what they're doing like for from for fundraising purposes is they're utilizing NFTs mm-hmm. um, in order to like fundraise yeah. and like get more money for the organization that she started. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there is like good cost to it as well. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I definitely um, I I feel that I can I can say that if if I was famous, I would right. But I think um, there's so much that comes along with fame, like slightly related, but kind of off topic. Like LeBron James, as great as he is, he still gets trolled on the internet, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He still, they say he's not clutch. People talk about him going bald, you know, like, and yeah. he's, I think he's probably the best player to ever play basketball, right? Um, but he is still criticized for every single move he makes, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to have that level of fame and then try to create an NFT, I feel like people would still try to find a way to be like, oh, look at this dude. He already a millionaire, and he's trying to charge $1,000 for this NFT. That's and it's their like, problem. But, but, yeah. that's, but their that's problem. life, though. Yeah, that's life. Yeah. I mean, every, everybody yeah. gets criticized on any type well, of level. Yeah. Like, you and Jazz get criticized. The only difference is you guys 
aren't famous. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So you don't hear all the. We don't hear. You don't pay yeah. attention. Talk that shit. Exactly. So yeah. like LeBron James, how he make that statement? People gonna go back to their regular broke miserable lives. <laughs> yeah. in, in other words, right? Yeah. You got other yeah. things to worry about. So yeah, like do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, if you know that you're actually bringing good things with your NFT, yeah. It's worth yeah, it. you, yeah, it's worth cause it. Because we hit Brentwood. We don't know where LeBron stays, right? Like, literally, we were there, but where's his crib? Looking, we don't know. It's yeah. literally hidden or something. Yeah, or like, crib in Akron. Yeah, honestly, wow. that's dope. That's dope. And then, um, and then, um, like, <laughs> <laughs> but then, but then, even like in LA, like in the Hidden Hills and stuff, there's houses that you do have the address to, but then you can't go. Right, right. So like the Kim K's and whatever. There's like gated, gated communities, gated. Yeah. super gated, so, exactly right. <laughs> Y'all trying to pull up? <laughs> no, we were just in Brentwood, so we yeah. started looking at stuff like, yeah. how is it that like nobody knows where LeBron lives, right? right. But, and then security was following us and stuff like that. So yeah. now, if you're giving people access to legit your mansion or whatever it is. Hey, look, that'd be all right. But you give people that access, then you're actually bringing good stuff with your NFT. You're not just scamming people and, true. oh, yeah, you paid a million dollars and they got nothing. True, 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 true. true. So, um, my next question would be, Mitch, have you purchased any NFTs yet? I have um, not. Still researching? Yeah, so basically, and I, it's funny I say all this. <laughs> I say all this to say. Right. I say all this to say. Um, I actually do technically have an NFT. Okay. Um, so I've, I've got this NFT. It's uh, called like an ends dom- domain. Okay. So that kind of like goes... To the side to, to a whole bunch of other stuff. A whole deeper level that you're not even ready to speak <laughs> on right now. Okay. So I've got I've got an, uh, an ends domain which is classified as an NFT, mm-hmm. um, and essentially what it is is like within the blockchain, it's like your web address. Okay. Um, it's another way of, um, like saying an, an identifier of who I am essentially. So like my ends domain is MitchellPhelps.eth. Okay. And so it's like essentially like an NFT, but it's not like one of the the normal like JPEG NFTs. Okay. Um, if you look at those, um, there's a few I really wanted. And don't tell my wife this, but I'm about to get her one for uh, Valentine's Day. Ah, okay. Uh, this like, will be posted most likely after Valentine's Day. So <laughs> even if she listens to no, it, I'm dropping it. Straight. I'm dropping, I'm it, dropping it tomorrow. <laughs> there there's, there's a ton of really cool ones um, that are like more like women focused. Okay. Um, like women empowerment and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. so I'll probably like, grab one of those. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, so check okay. out like if you're interested, like World of Women, that's a cool one. Okay. Um, and then they've got these ones called like Crypto Chicks, even. Okay. Those are pretty cool. Like I've got like about five friends that actually have the Crypto Chicks one. Yeah. Um, different ones of that NFT. Do those yeah. comes with any any cool utilities, or is that something that's still they're just supporting the cause? Yeah, just supporting the cause. Okay. And like honestly, they've uh, gotten probably like on average like two to five k within the past like two weeks oh, like nice. of appreciated value okay so with just to make sure i'm i'm, I'm following your lesson here so mm-hmm. you, you can only put per- well not only but te- technically you get one right but you can you can buy multiple if you want to resell it but you can buy as many as you want okay yeah and then you pretty much just if I, if I buy five, I can i can keep one for myself it works like a stock pretty much yeah it works like a stock okay like a house so, like uh, any any asset. Okay, so the like the the money that they made off that that's just based on the on the popularity of this particular NFT growing. Exactly. Okay. So we we look at um like let's say uh, um not a world of women but crypto chicks yeah. like one of those ones. Say it's one Ethereum. Yeah. Right now, like one Ethereum is trading for. 20, is it 28? 27, 28, three, like twenty five to three thousand yeah. dollars for one Ethereum. So say you buy one of these crypto chicks for that price. Yeah. And then say the price of 
Ethereum shoots up. Yeah. So then, like, the price of that will probably shoot up. But let's say that just the popularity of that NFT that you bought for one now can go up to 1.5. Right, right, right. And so right, now, right. like, that popularity is there. Shoot, I can right. sell it right there and make money right, nice. off, right off the bat. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. All right, that's interesting. Um, so, I mean, I feel like um, overall, I've learned a lot about NFTs. I feel like you definitely helped explain it and break it down a little bit where I can actually see myself investing in it. Um, do you guys, uh, K West, have any additional questions regarding NFTs? Uh, well, I was just going to say... It's kind of a loaded question, but kind of as we conclude, just um, can you just kind of speak to how important, if if at all, do you think um, getting into NFTs and the whole crypto world and metaverse and all that stuff <laughs> um, is for minorities in general? Because it yeah. always seems like a lot of times we're, not a lot of times, all the times we're, we're last to the party, but then even when we get there, like for instance, like uh, it's harder. It's yeah, difficult. for like marijuana, like now it's legalized, but you know what I'm saying. There's not a single black color, owned marijuana yeah. dispensary in exactly. Illinois. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying. Going criminalized for it. Like I said, I know it's a loaded question, but because I've just been oh. hearing a combination of things too. Because now I heard you can buy real estate in the metaverse and stuff too. So it's like virtual real estate and. Yeah. That's wild as hell. Yeah. I don't think I would ever purchase virtual what? real estate. But you might though. We gone. It's <laughs> crazy. You don't know what's going on hey, in that virtual world. Got a bunch. Yeah, yeah. A bunch of on that. And that that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like don't a, let us be last. Right. You're right. Like, you're right. You're right. Like a week ago, we might all we might have all been saying that. Well, not Mitch, but we might have all been saying like you. Know what I'm saying we'll never think in a million million years we'll do it. But once yeah. you start to see the returns on it, or the the amount of opportunity. You know what I'm saying? No, that's that's a great question. And I, I mean, honestly, when I go back to the reason I actually even started doing it is because like typically with like new stuff like this, I'm like super anti. I'm just like, no, I'll wait till yeah. everyone starts to do it and then I'll jump in. I think that's like all know. sentiments for black people. Like, yeah. You don't wait till a few people go first. Yeah. And make sure it's straight in. Let me know what's safe. Right. And then I'll jump in. <laughs> Who all over there? When type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's at the party. That though, right? but, but that's that's pretty, that, that's being like, I ain't, I'm not going to lie. I'm that dude. Right. Yeah. Um. For, for example, SHIB. Kate was talking about buying SHIB back in like early 2021. Yeah. I was like, nah, G. I'm like, I don't know it. I'm not finna put no K on like this. You said like, it just like that. Yeah. You was like, I, I ain't like, get into nothing else. I don't know. Exactly. But, but you were scarred exactly. from Dogecoin. Right. That's exactly. what it was, right? Exactly. Sometimes it was like what in, in life, it's what you experience that can affect your yeah. you know your future thing so yeah, totally. maybe just based on our backgrounds as black people exactly well, how we've been you, you want to make things, sure the money is really no. there yeah. y'all go first exactly once you make go, a little yeah. bit of change but it right. be too late you feel me once everybody late. knows it's mm-hmm. too late because yeah, like bro yeah. bitcoin bitcoin and all that stuff bro mm-hmm. what Jeez. I, I had dogecoin at point zero zero two i yeah. didn't put that much in it because right. i didn't know what yeah. it was right. i was like i don't even know how to use the money right i don't know how you do anything and then yeah. like i sold it and literally i think three months later then it and that's the same thing with NFTs is like learning when should I jump in right I understand the concept I understand the idea but like with an investment like Mitch said earlier you have to understand that at any moment that shit can hit zero right so yeah. I think as I don't know if it's for all black people or for me in general um, it's like I really 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 want to make sure that it's legit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before I 
invest all this money into it, right? And it's 100%. like, and the issue is you you uh, you run the risk of losing out on some money. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But it's like, I just I don't I don't want to give away money for no reason. So I want to make sure I want let me let me make let me see let me see Wes yeah. make a thousand. Right, Wes, Wes Wes make you know he make a little bit of money. Like yeah, all right, yeah, let yeah. me jump in it. Yeah. But I think I mean. That, that's with any investment, though. Like, real estate. Like, real estate is growing, and people are starting to buy properties and flip it and all that stuff. But, like... You still don't believe like, it until your friend does it. Exactly. You know what I'm exactly. But, like, this exactly. is, like, the... Like, this stuff... Like, the part that hit this for me was... This is, like, the first time in my mind that, like, us as black people have the opportunity to be the first ones in the seat yeah. for, like, these types of opportunities. Yeah. Like, we think about, like... Um, when we had access to banks and stuff, they didn't they didn't let us have access to banks yeah, or anything yeah, like that yeah, early yeah. on. It kept us away from like different types of housing loans and things yeah, that we could have. Yeah. They did the same like for women as well. Mm-hmm. And like this is like the first time that like we actually have a chance to like get in and, and make something shake from yeah. the from the upfront level. So it's like our barriers are down, but the only one barrier that's still there is the access to the education on this stuff. Access to education. There's like yeah. not a ton of like organized stuff mm-hmm. um, that's like really showing us. It's like, yo, if you get on some YouTubes and then if you get on like TikTok, you know what I'm saying? They've got like a lot of knowledge there. Yeah. Um, and even like some websites, but like a lot of stuff's not quite organized yet. Right. And a lot of things you just don't know, like, hey, is this verified? Yeah. You know, is this yeah. like telling me the real, real? That's a good point. And I just want, I want you to talk about this real quick before we end this episode here. Um, Mitch, so uh, I saw on Instagram, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. you took some type of certification, right? Or you took a class or you took something where it was like NFT related, where they, they educated you on this? Or mm-hmm. where did the background come from? Yeah, so there's a there's a few things that I've listened to. Um, I've got this like kind of like blockchain basics yeah. thing that I put together, and so it's got like, a couple oh, different books. You put that together? Yeah, I put it together. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. So, All right, like, so follow him for that. Check me out for that. Uh-huh. It's a uh, link in the bio for it. One, yeah. one of those like link trees. Yeah. Uh, so it's like <laughs> blockchain legit, basics. It's got a couple yeah. books, podcasts. Yeah. Um, even like a few different like uh, newsletters and stuff you okay. can like re- use or utilize. Yeah. Um, so it's got like just basic foundational knowledge there. Okay. Uh, and then I'll probably be putting out some like more like NFT basics, crypto basics, like nice. stuff like that for people to follow along. Okay. All and right. I, All right. Um, and I'll say that too. So initially when I came to you with the idea, that's what I saw. So I saw that you were posting some things like on IG and then um, like I clicked your link tree and I saw more information. And the reason why like I was happy to have you on for this episode because I feel like one thing that you said that was profound for me at least was like when Kay asked you or Shay asked you. Do you own any right now? And you were like, no, not really. Or you said, not yet. Or whatever. Yeah. I love that answer, right? Because it, I think for so many people, it's like. Racetrack gas pump thought number 348. Because waiting for your tank to fill up is the perfect time to think about whatever gets you going. What if lunch was never invented? Like, who decided three meals a day was a standard, and why just one lunch I want two? Then I could do pizza for one, chicken for the other, or combining them would be easier. And definitely add some Texas Pete wing sauce. You're on to something, Dave. Introducing Racetrack's Buffalo Chicken Pizza made with Texas Pete wing sauce. Try it for a limited time at participating locations. Racetrack, whatever gets you going. Am I a genius? You hear something new, your homie tell you about it, and you just jump in where I think in this episode we really... Emphasize stressed like you, stress. Yeah. You have to do your research yeah. with everything. You know, mm-hmm. like nothing's guaranteed. Like I for me that that's one of the things I hate in this generation. It's just like people just instantly hear something and then just want to go all in for it mm-hmm. without doing their prior research. 
So research is that's I guess that's one thing I'll say to the camera. It's like just do your research. Like mm. right. this so, guy's a knowledgeable guy, but he's also life is a scam teaching moment. Let's get bringing some points. Go ahead, let's get some points. Right, right, right. Hashtag life is a scam teaching moment. Um, before you jump into anything, do your research. Like you can have the knowledge. You can have the knowledge and still sit on it. Um, example, I'm not into NFTs yet, but um, um, I trade. I'm trying to learn how to trade options. Options trading is where the money is at, right? So it's a few stocks I've just been eyeing. I'm just watching them, trying to make sure that I want to jump in. Because when you do a uh, when you do an options trade, you have to buy a hundred of it at a time. You're, pay, you're not paying for a hundred, but the premium of it. Yeah, of exactly, exactly. Yeah. You, you have to buy it in um in in, in um shares of a hundred, and it's a little bit pricey. But that's where the money's at. But um, life of the scam teach moment is. It's okay to sit and watch, right? Don't sit, go, yeah. Don't watch. jump in. You don't, gonna learn because yeah, the the dip is always gonna happen. So you can, you can watch something you're interested in for a month, two months, three months, six months, a year, and just kind of watch what is happening, right? Yeah. And then when you're ready to jump in, jump in and make that purchase. So life is a scam teaching moment. When it comes to investing, sorry for that weird noise I just made. Um, when it comes to investing, <laughs> it's okay to just educate yourself and then wait for the right opportunity. Right, yeah. so that's the key. I'll say that's definitely the key for anything that you're trying to invest in. Don't don't throw your money away. You know what I'm saying? Especially with options. Exactly. You're gonna learn. You're gonna lose. You can make money, but you can lose money too. Um, that's the same for literally everything. Houses, yeah. whatever. Exactly. You do. I remember before I bought a home, I was looking like year and a half before. Yeah. Like yeah. just getting ready for it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm trying to purchase a home too, and I've been I'm trying to purchase a home in June. I've been sending these niggas homes since yeah. like November. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like just options. Like I, I like this. I like this kitchen. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, this one got a pool. You know? So, so just yeah, yeah, yeah. So take your time. Take your time. And that, um, that's what had me. Let, let me yeah, end, go ahead. end on this part. That's what really had me sit because so me and my homie Adonis was talking, right? And you know, like now they say like uh, certain people be like, oh, all you need is like a 580 credit score or whatever. You can get a RHA loan or whatever it's called mm -hmm. or whatever, and that's you only got to put down yeah. At three percent, you know what I'm saying. It sounds good on paper, right? But it's also things on the back end that you have to know. Yeah. Like as opposed to if you put down twenty percent, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. That, you if you, know you put down less than five percent, you got to pay that mortgage insurance. Yeah. That'd be a little yeah. bit more expensive. Yeah. 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 And then everybody now is just like, oh, well, I'm gonna get a two flat in in the hood and all this other stuff. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but you have to. You it know, don't always work out. Yeah. You have to have tenants in there. Yeah. You have to account for the time because my brother. Do this shit. They don't do shit in hood. Yeah. In the suburbs, they, they tell you the same thing too. Yeah. Like you know, what I'm saying you have to account for the times when you won't have tenants in there. You got to account for the, yep. when the stove breaks. That's on you. Right. Can you yeah. pay for that? Can you yeah. pay yeah. for it? Yeah. And then, Pipes burst. Yeah, and then people are like, no, I'm sorry, I'm renting. But like I said, like right. he passionate about it. Yeah, like sure. you know, people like I said, buying it in in the hood, and that's not necessarily a problem. But some people are banking on like gentrification and all this shit, where it's like, all right, that shit may happen. In, 30 years, so you got to be sitting on this shit for 30 years. Yeah. See that? You know what I'm saying? That's so, not always just, bad, though. See, that's why I got a son, right? So I bought some stocks, right? <laughs> that's why he got a son. I if y'all didn't know I, that, so why. I, I, I have some stocks right now that I'm absolutely not going to sell, and I don't care if it take 30 years. If I got to get that shit to my son... <laughs> He gonna make some money off. Must be I ain't, nice. I ain't selling. That's called must be nice. Generational wealth. That ain't leave me no damn stop. Going after the one, the one contrary yeah. to this, this mic drop of um, doing your research. Yeah. And I fall into this a ton of times. I do too much research yeah. to where I don't move. It's a fine line. Yeah. But it's like when you make that move, like that's when you'll do your learning. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So yeah. you're doing a ton of learning going up into it. Um, you you never feel ready. Did yeah. you feel ready to to have your son? Nah. Oh no, definitely not. 
Nah. But, but you oh, learned yeah. it a ton now. What you doing? It. But right now, doing it though. Doing that shit. Do our research. Validate it. Yeah. And then just jump in, even when you don't jump think you're ready. Yeah, jump in, jump in. And then if, if you do a little bit of research, you should feel confident in your uh, in your purchase and your investment. A lot of um, But, 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 we're going to wrap this up. Uh, big shout out to Mitch. Um, if you want uh, more information on NFTs, you can follow Mitch at... Uh, at Mitchell Phelps. At Mitchell Phelps. All financial uh, advice yep. comes from money making Mitch. Don't <laughs> yeah. listen to anything listen. I say. <laughs> We was telling y'all it's good to jump on a wave early because right now the information is free. Six months from now, he might be charging for this. So I'm just I'm saying, already charging something. You already charging? <laughs> jump in now before the price goes up because yesterday's price is not tomorrow's it's price. Not the same it's price. not tomorrow's <laughs> price. So FT is appreciating. Yep, yep, yep. Once again, once again, thank you guys for tuning in to Life is a Scam podcast. Um, I am your host, Shay Two Times, my boy Worldwide West, my boy at the very end. The hottest K- DJ in the land. Capable. Hey. Um, and um, my very good friend, Mitch. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Um, yeah, I have to make it dramatic. I have to get Racetrack Gas Pump Thought number 348. Because waiting for your tank to fill up is the perfect time to think about whatever gets you going. What if lunch was never invented? Like who decided three meals a day was a standard and why just one lunch I want two? Then I could do pizza for one, chicken for the other, or combining them would be easier. And definitely add some Texas Pete wing sauce. You're on to something, Dave. Introducing Racetrack's Buffalo Chicken Pizza made with Texas Pete wing sauce. Try it for a limited time at participating locations. Racetrack, whatever gets you going. Am I a genius?